At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome back to Grey Malkin Lane, everybody, the podcast where queer friends and allies gather to review and discuss the original X-Men comics from the 1960s. Now, last week we had, or last episode, we had our incredible interview with Steve Englehart, and as announced then, uh, we are taking a break from our normal format today to host our next trial, which is the trial of Pietro Maximoff. Uh, We have a lot to say (laughs) about Pietro today. Uh, This was a fun character to research. It's someone I had a lot more thoughts and opinions on than I realized, and I had a lot to learn. Uh, Anytime you stack someone up front to back in their chronology, there's always a lot that stands out. Um, We're going to begin today by uh, introducing the members of our jury. Initially, if you guys all want to let us know your name, your gender pronouns, uh, where we might know you from, uh, although you're all regulars on Dre Malkin, so I'm thrilled you're back. Uh, and then uh, the question I have for everybody today is what is uh, your favorite Quicksilver story and what do you love about Quicksilver? Just as we begin, I'll start. My name is Chad. I use he, him pronouns. I am the host of Grandma and Land, obviously. Uh, I think if I had to choose one single favorite Quicksilver story, it is uh, Saladin Ahmed's uh, uh, Quicksilver uh, No Surrender, which took place after the, uh, the Avengers... Um, uh, series called No Surrender. And it's a five issue kind of deep character dive into Quicksilver's brain. It shows the complexity of the character from a lot of really beautiful places and the art is gorgeous. Uh, so that's probably my single favorite. What I like about Pietro uh, is what we hate about him too. He's an asshole, he's complex, he is surly. We love a lot of surly characters. He's a little more surly than most. <laughs> But uh, but he's he's a character that you have to kind of love to hate, uh, except sometimes you just hate to hate him. <laughs> uh, so let's have Noelle go next. Yeah, I'm Noelle. She, her. I host the X-Men Unraveled podcast. Um, coming up with things about Pietro was a little tricky for me. Um, for my favorite story, uh, I'm going to go with House of M because I feel like it just shows how messed up he is and how diabolical he can be. So that's my favorite story. And as far as what I like about him, I like watching him in fights. He seems to throw heroes and villains for a loop and they don't know how to deal with him. So I do kind of like that. Arturo. I thought it was on mute, sorry. I, um, 
Hi, I'm Arturo, he, him pronouns. Uh, I'm one of the co-hosts over at X is for Podcast. And I will say, and I don't know the issue off the top of my head, um, and I didn't take the note, but uh, the Peter David one with X Factor, the first Peter David one with X Factor was incredibly important to me as it was coming out. I was following it. It was so unlike other comics that I was used to at that time. And um, and it was just so fun and cool and, and refreshing. And I don't know how, how well a lot of it is aged, but uh, in it, Quicksilver gives this infamous uh, monologue where he talks about how every waking moment of his life is like being trapped in a world where everyone in front of you is incapable of using the ATM efficiently. Like all those little things that drive you crazy, that that's just his whole existence. And uh, I don't know, I, I just, that completely informs who that character is to me and I never forgot it. Beautiful. Uh, Alicia. I'm Alicia. I use she, her pronouns. Um, you would know me from the ex-wife podcast. I am co-host of the ex-wife podcast and I'm gonna just go completely rogue on this one. And, um, that's a different character. (laughs) 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 Um, my favorite Pietro moment is not considered a real Pietro moment. That would be Ralph Boner, um, from WandaVision because I still believe he's Pietro. Uh, but that's not a comic thing. Uh, it's just, a, it's a personal uh, belief that I hold in my heart to be true. And I will continue to hold it until I am fully proven wrong. Um, and I just love that that sparked so much um, fan craziness. And so without knowing a lot about the character outside of that and not knowing as much about him in comics other than what we are going to talk about today, um, that's what I'm going to choose as my favorite. But what I do really like about him as a character is his passion for things, whether or not that's a downfall um, and it takes him to dangerous places. I think there's something to be said about a person who can be really committed to their beliefs in something and go full throttle into them for better or for worse. So those are, that's what I like the most about the character. Uh, Bradley, who drew that pretty picture on the wall behind me. <laughs> Brad, go ahead. Hi, yeah, uh, I'm Bradley. I'm an illustrator, um, he, they. Um, I'm here with my uh, Wanda and Pietro little figurines that came as a set, as they should, which is cute. It's the only way I would have bought a Pietro figurine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm kidding. Uh, so my... Um, Favorite, uh, favorite Quicksilver story. Okay, so my th- my introduction to the character was actually uh, X Men Evolution, and I maintain that that's some of uh, some of the the best characterization um, outside the comics. Um, my favorite comics Pietro story. So a lot of what I come to him through is um, I care about him um, through the lens of that I like his twin sister and they're sort of a unit um i really liked in um in uh no way home um the the issue that focused on them and what and and what their relationship is like uh where he's sort of he's being chased by those things through time and they and he's talking about their whole lives together and even sort of it sort of endeavors to explain sort of his perspective on um that he came to regret his part in um, 
in uh, House of M and all of that stuff. And um, it's just, it's a good little, um, I don't know, view into a very interesting, one of the, in my opinion, the most interesting, um, you know, non-romantic relationships of the well, non-romantic, except for that one universe, uh, <laughs> relationships in the Marvel canon. Um, I, uh, I, yeah, I think it was just a, it's a good issue. Uh, and a good time for an exceptionally uh, uh, divisive character. Short of uh, Namor, he might be uh, the most unpleasant protagonist <laughs> uh, Marvel has. <laughs> and then Regina, please. Hi, I'm Regina from the House of X podcast. My pronouns are she, her, they, them is fine as well. Um, I'm also one of the admins of the House of X Facebook group. And one of my favorite memories of Pietro is, was just like a very short blurb in the X-Men wedding album when Scott and Jean got married. And he talks about how difficult marriage is, but that it's not without its rewards. And out of everybody, I just would not have expected that from Pietro, but it was such a beautiful tribute to Scott and Jean's marriage that it literally has stayed with me all these years later. <laughs> Even though he's the worst husband. <laughs> the worst husband and possibly the worst father, as we will talk about later today. <laughs> uh, and then finally, Justin. Hey, everyone. My name is Justin. I use he, him pronouns. And I am the other co-host of the Ex-Wife Podcast with Alicia. And what's my favorite Quicksilver story? I, I really love the Peter David run, all new X-Factor. Even though he's not he's not in it too much, I feel like it really takes a different side of him and gets under the skin and, and really starts to explain who that character is. But I also really have a soft spot for his first appearance in X-Men 4 with the Brotherhood. And just it, it shows the conflicting ideologies in his mind of, of how he's there really to protect his sister and their love. Uh, and I'm not a fan of the ultimate x-men uh the <laughs> ultimates where they take that love or at least insinuate yes uh right uh and I, it just it also him questioning magneto's actions and ideologies i really i felt like that was pivotal for his development as character to just represent all of that together uh there is a lot to say about pietro now i used the same approach personally uh in setting up this trial as i did with juggernaut in that i literally reread pietro's entire chronology wow. uh some of it was brief skimming but particularly the stories focused on him i worked really hard for a couple of months to get a really comprehensive understanding of this character and as we keep pointing out on the podcast we take these characters particularly the ones from the earliest days of marvel Writers adopt them and research them and tell stories about them and then pass them on to the next writer. And there's always drama and there's always healing and there's always more intrigue. And we've seen this particular character go through a lot of different changes over the years, but he's someone who never goes very long uh, out of the picture. He, he's not a permanent stay in many teams, but they just keep bringing him back over and over and over and using him in new things almost constantly, which, uh, which shows that there's a lot of love for him. Uh, so I'm going to uh, read my summary to begin, and then let's take some time talking about Pietro first before we put him on trial. Uh, Pietro Maximoff, Quicksilver, named for the liquid version of the metal Mercury, the surly speedster. He's Marvel's version of the Flash and one of Marvel's oldest characters, with 
Characteristic lightning bolts on his costume and his iconic wispy white hair, Pietro has been a member of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, the Avengers, the Inhuman Security Forces, the Knights of Wondegore, X-Factor and All-New X-Factor, the Avengers Unity Force, or Division, uh, Avengers Academy, and sometimes the X-Men. He has been a supervillain, a superhero, a government operative, a teacher, a politician, a criminal, and a murderer. In the Age of Apocalypse, he was the leader of the X-Men. Quicksilver is a character who is most often defined by his relationship with other characters. He is the son of Magneto, or at least he was for most of his history. He's the twin brother of the Scarlet Witch, and sometimes the brother of Polaris. He has been the husband of Crystal. He is the father of Luna. He's someone who prides himself on those relationships, but much of his history has been about him failing the people he loves the most and then trying to regain their love. He vacillates between caring and nurturing in some appearances to sociopathic and cruel in others. He is very morally complicated and carries with him an unparalleled sense of entitlement, justifying his actions constantly. But then he has softer moments of loneliness and reflection. He's frequently described as the character who runs from everything and moves faster than everyone and who sees everyone else as moving at a snail pace. And in recent years, he's become more popular than ever due to his portrayals in the Avengers movies, played by Aaron Taylor Johnson, and in the X-Men movies and WandaVision show, played by Evan Peters. Pietro shares an origin story with his sister Wanda, so let me recount their very complicated origins here briefly. And this sounds long, but it is brief. <laughs> and the story has changed a number of times over the years in the hands of different writers, a lot. Maybe because his sister can warp reality, question mark, but we don't know. The High Evolutionary set up a base at Mount Wondegore, a mystic mountain which contained the trapped essence of the powerful chaos god Chaton. The High Evolutionary also created a race of evolved animal men, including a cow woman named Bova. Many years ago, three separate women ended up at Mount Wondegore around the same time, independent of each other, all of them the parents of twins. Magda Lenscher, a concentration camp survivor and the love of Magneto, fled him after their daughter Anya died and Magneto used his powers to kill a group of humans. Magda gave birth to twins at Mount Wondegore and then fled into the night asking Bova to always keep the twins safe from their mad father. And then Magda was never seen again. And we'll just note quickly with the changing chronology, now that Magneto is not their father, we don't know what happened to those twins that Magda gave birth to. Just an interesting side note. Uh, separately, World War II veterans Robert and Madeline Joyce Frank, better known as the heroic superpowered invaders, Wizard and Miss America, arrived at Mount Wondegore, and Madeline gave birth to twins who ended up stillborn. She later died in childbirth, and Robert fled into the night. Separately again, the renowned Natalia Maximoff, known as the Scarlet Witch, gave birth to twins in Transia, and she gave the twins to her sister Maria Maximoff to raise, but the twins were kidnapped by the High Evolutionary, and Natalia died trying to save them, while the twins' mysterious father had something to do with it, but we still don't know who he is. The High Evolutionary experimented on the twins, giving them superpowers that would develop later in life. Remembering the bravery of Natalia, the High Evolutionary took the twins back to Natalia's brother, Django, and his wife, Maria, to be raised. These twins would become to know, uh, become to come to be known as Pietro and Wanda Maximoff, or later Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch. Ironically, Django and Maria also had another set of twins of their own called uh, Anna and Matteo who had died. So there's lots of babies, lots of twins, <laughs> lots of people moving around, <laughs> different stories that'll weave into the, the continuity later. 
Now, Wanda and Pietro grew up believing that Django and Mario were their parents, and they had a relatively happy childhood, though they were poor and often targeted because they were Romani, often called gypsies. Tragedy struck when a fire was set to their home and Mario was believed killed, and Wanda and Pietro lived on their own for years, depending on each other for survival. Years later, potentially decades later, because if Magda gave birth right after World War II, there's lots of problems with the sliding timescale. But years later, Pietro's powers of super speed developed and Wanda's hex powers manifested, frightening the local villagers who attacked the twins. But Magneto saved them and he told the twins that they were mutants, something that was later confirmed for many years as they had the X gene in their DNA. Professor X had previously tried recruiting the twins to the X-Men, but they turned him down, finding him too idealistic. Feeling they owed Magneto for their lives, Wanda and Pietro joined his organization, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, taking the codenames Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch. Though they disagreed with Magneto's methods, they stayed out of a sense of obligation, frequently fighting the X-Men. Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver later joined the Avengers, and they became internationally famous. Though Pietro has undoubtedly saved the world many times over and has saved countless civilian lives, he also has regularly resented the humans that he was saving, feeling like he deserves special respect and recognition, and that goes back to his earliest appearances. Always fiercely protective of his sister Wanda, Pietro was disgusted when she fell in love with the synthesoid Vision, and his relationship with her fractured for the first of many times when he refused to give his approval of her marriage. In time, Pietro was wounded in combat, and he was nursed back to health by the young and idealistic inhuman princess, Crystal. They married, and he spent the next years in Adelan, the city on the moon, among her family, feeling like an outcast and struggling to fit in. For a time, Pietro and Wanda grew to believe that the Wizard and Miss America were their parents, and they even changed their names to Pietro and Wanda Frank. But they later learned that Magneto was actually their father, a fact that haunted Quicksilver for decades of appearances afterward. Pietro and Quicksilver soon had a daughter they named Luna, after the moon itself. Pietro was distraught to learn that his daughter was a mere human, neither mutant nor inhuman, and he argued with Crystal that they should expose her to the Terrigen Mists, the chemical compound that gives inhumans their powers, but Crystal refused. Pietro tried forcing the infant Luna into the Terrigen Mists against Crystal's consent, but Crystal and the thing stopped him. We're not putting him on trial for that today, that specific thing. Shortly after, Wanda and Division had twin sons, uh, William and Thomas, who would go on to become Wiccan and Speed, and Magneto visited. And during this vulnerable time for Pietro, Crystal cheated on him with the real estate agent, Norm Webster, and Pietro screamed at Crystal, threatened Norm, and then ran off to, well, become a supervillain. But we'll recount everything forward from here in the trial portions of this episode. Now, as we talk about his chronology in the future, we won't cover every appearance, we won't cover every team he's been on, but it's all kind of summarized here very quickly. Before we take time to talk about this, I'm going to introduce just a couple of different quotes that highlight some of Pietro's uh, psychology. And these come right from the comics. First, and this is the one that Arturo referenced earlier from X Factor number 87 by Peter David. Uh, Pietro is seeing Doc Samson, the psychiatrist, and he is diagnosed with PMS or Pietro Maximoff syndrome, <laughs> which, which is described as the uncontrollable urge to be high-handed and arrogant. Pietro admits that he is arrogant and that he holds himself to an impossible standard 
one that can never be reached, and thus he's constantly letting himself down, frankly, something we can all understand to some degree. Uh, during this session, he said the following. Have you ever stood in line at a banking machine behind a person who didn't know how to use it or wanted to buy stamps at the post office and the fellow in front of you wants to know every single way he can ship his package to Istanbul or gotten some counter idiot at Burger King who can't comprehend Whopper, no pickles. Your life is being slowed to a crawl by the inabilities or the inconvenient behavior of others. It's not a rational or considerate attitude to have, but there it is. Now imagine that everyone you work with, everywhere you go, your entire world is filled with people who can't work cash machines. Second quote quickly, after learning that Magneto was not his father and going on a quest to prove it, and this is a quote from Uncanny Avengers volume two, number five by Rick Remender, he said, my ex-wife Crystal once told me I've spent my whole life running, an obvious and boring metaphor, but she was right. I never settled in one place long enough for it to become my home, left it as soon as things got the slightest bit messy, running from the long list of things that I'm not proud of, running away from my wife, from my daughter, focusing on the bigger threats while ignoring my real responsibility. It was never my fault, always mired in rationalizations. They pushed me, they started it, I simply finished it. As long as I don't seek to Magneto's level, hey, I'm coming out ahead. It was just so easy. I'm his son, of course I have his temper, but when Wanda cast that damn spell, referencing M-Day, and I lost my excuse, why did I really come here? I said I needed to know the truth, but that's not it. I wanted there to be some grand plot, some strings I could point to and blame, anything to keep up the lie, anything to get my excuses back. But I've been given a second chance and I'm done running. Every triumph, every failure, I own them all. And while the thought of it is terrifying, it's also liberating. Quote number three, this is from Scarlet Witch, volume two, number nine by James Robinson. Wanda confronts her brother on his ever-changing psychology. Weary of him bossing her around and only meaning what he says in the moment, she calls him a sociopath and tells him to get out of her life. And he literally runs away as he says she will never see him again. Of course, they soon make up and become friends again. And a sociopath is defined in clinical terms as, quote, a person with a personality disorder manifesting itself in extreme antisocial attitudes and behavior and lack of conscience. Final quote, and then we'll discuss. This is from Quicksilver No Surrender Number 1 by Saladin Ahmed. Pietro says to himself while running and trapped, the numbers nerds, the statistic clockers who think like stopwatches and flowcharts, they talk about spectrum or the silver surfer. They look at mock factors and distances. They focus on the math. They think being seven feet tall is the same as being good at basketball. They think moving quickly is the same as being fast. It's not. Measuring in miles per hour, a passenger jet travels three times faster than a race car. Yet the race car rattles your insides while the jet just lulls you to sleep. Spectrum and surfer move quickly, but they don't live speed. They fly, but they don't know how to run. Fastest isn't about the 50 yard dash. It isn't about who can make it around the world first. Fastest isn't just about the numbers. It's about how you see, how you think, how you breathe. But don't get me wrong, the numbers do matter. The richest person on earth is worth $100 billion. But the words 100 billion don't explain anything. The numbers 100 billion, those zeros do little better. 
Here is how I understand 100 billion. My father was a poor man who scraped a living in a world that hated him. His hands were cracked and swollen. Had he worked breaking his back every day for 15 years, 18,000 days of never being allowed to be sick, of never seeing his family, he would not have earned what the richest man in the world makes in 10 minutes, in a coffee break. Now imagine that, but with speed. Imagine a heart and a mind and hands and eyes that move with the swiftness of such inconceivable numbers. Now you begin to know who I am. Now you begin to understand what it means when I run. I've run for a hundred reasons, been called a hero and a villain. I've served as an Avenger and battled the X-Men, worked as a terrorist and as a government agent. In this same series, by the way, Quicksilver defeats his inner demons by learning how to meditate and dwell in the moment. And it's a fucking stunning, beautiful series, actually. Okay, lastly, before we talk things over, just to note, Pietro claims to be his own man and is in, in, in his own control pretty constantly. But he has been mind-controlled by Charles Xavier, the Red Skull who possessed Xavier's brain at the time, and by Maximus the Mad at least a couple of times. He's been possessed and controlled by the elder god Chaton, who has also possessed Wanda, and he's most certainly been ma manipulated by Magneto over the years. It's impossible to know how far-reaching the effects of these events have had on his functioning. So let's talk about Quicksilver. What do you learn about him? What are your thoughts about him as we present briefly his history and his psychology? Anyone who wants to share, please. He's a big old jerk, uh, but he's got really interesting and compelling reasons to be a jerk. Like, I, I just, I can't imagine what being frustrated with anyone doing anything ever would do to you over time. And just the number of times that he has had others affect or manipulate him just piles on and, and makes me really interested in how much of a jerk he can be. <laughs> Yeah, beyond the manipulation of others left to his own devices, and arguably as a result of those other manipulations, left to his own devices, Quicksilver can be pretty awful. And like, before we even get into the, you know, guilty or innocent of it all, like, I think it's clear to say, like, he's not necessarily a good guy. He's certainly not a hero. He has done heroic things. He does things a good guy would do. Um, but his innate motivations are not altruistic, like ever. Um, he's, you know, you, he, he's that character that you love to hate. Um, you know, and while, as you were going through all of that, that history, I just want to, you know, pour one out for the greatest Quicksilver story that could have been if Marvel were not a whole bunch of cowards, because during House of M, Pietro and Namor were supposed to be like either betrothed or together and it was a scandal. It was unclear if it was scandalous or if it was just like they're heads of state and that's what you do. You hook up with another head of state. Um, but Marvel <laughs> shit the bed, chickened couple. out. Huh? I just said, what an insufferable couple that would be. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine? In it's a way, it's really kind of awful perfect. set of men. Nobody loves me more than me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. And then they would have like a double date with North Star and Kyle. And Kyle's just like, you guys are way too much for me. He would just be like, I need to go to the kitchen and cook something. I'll be back in a little bit. He's human. Yeah, I think it's that's oh, how Kyle probably would love it. He's like, general. 
<laughs> it's not. There's just these awful people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's insufferable, but that's part of his charm. Um, you know, I was I was I was taken aback by kind of early on, and I think this resonates really well. Uh, Bradley, you had mentioned um, X Men Evolution, and I think the tension between Quicksilver and Magneto is so core to who he is as a character it like bleeds into all other media it's it's fantastic even even uh what's his name uh chris not chris evans evan peters evan, i have to get there evan peters uh you know in the x-men movies he says something about his dad like there's even when there's not direct tension it's like an underlying thing so i was surprised to see that that tension has been there since even before they the paternity was revealed and then retconned and you know etc um yeah he's, he's a really interesting character but not a good guy was no. the whole no. point of what i was trying to say not an innately good guy unless you're his sister and then even um, then only sometimes well what i will say as far as his relationship with wanda which we'll get into more detail later but as far as he, how he acts as a whole um he whether it was thrust on him or he chose this lot in life he sees himself as the keeper of this character with tremendous power uh that and uh also as far as he's concerned uh tremendous instability he's he sees himself as kind of the person who who keeps that from getting out of line and it often leads to some of his worst actions <laughs> But the, but imagining the responsibility you'd feel if you think you're the sort of last bastion of uh, the Scarlet Witch's sanity. Uh, mm. that's, that's a lot, that's a lot to live with. Yeah, and I think it, it also ties to like their relationship and their uh, childhood and this, even just you going through the history and hearing all the back and forth of like who they were with, who they, what thought were their parents and and what happened to those people and and all the things rolled up into that when it boils down to it just being the two of them is really all they have for each other he he may have then become like okay well I, she's my responsibility and yeah. also tethered to her as like she's the only one i have right. which is interesting because my initial thought of him is that he's just very selfish um a lot of his motivation is just about what he wants at that moment and what he thinks is right. And even, even when it can't, comes to Wanda, what, what we'll talk about later on, um, just think what he, he wants is the right decision, but it's not necessarily what she wants or what other people want. And it's almost like all of the things that happen in his childhood forced him to sort of grow up quickly, but he didn't really mature in growing up quickly. So he still makes very like childish, childish, rash decisions. He doesn't really think them through, but he thinks that he's doing the right thing because he had to go through like, okay, now I have to be an adult super fast, but he didn't actually process how to make decisions the way that involves anyone other than yourself. And he's really good that. at doubling down on bad decisions. Mm -hmm. Like when he's in the wrong, he's incapable of being like, okay, yeah, my bad, I fucked up. No, he's yeah. like, he's like, no, absolutely. And just, you're like, bro, come on. <laughs> I made this decision. I'm sticking to it. Yeah. Noel, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, um, I was kind of 
I had to stop myself when I was reading because, you know, when we did the Scarlet Witch trial, I'm, I want to defend her to no end. There's always a reason that she did something. But when I started reading for Quicksilver, I was, everything he did, I was like, he's such an asshole, he's such a jerk. And I kind of had to stop and I was like, why am I willing to make so many excuses for his sister, but I'm not willing to make them for him. And his, all of his relationships are such a disaster. And I was like, no, I need to like think the way that I think about Wanda. Like when I think about her, I think about grief and trauma and how that impacts somebody's behavior. And with Pietro, you know, I can't diagnose him. I'm not a psychologist psychiatrist or anything I can like (laughs) but I feel like there has to be some sort of like attachment disorder there which um you know lost his parents he's with the high evolutionary being experimented on there was no stable attachment when he was young and growing up in that really vulnerable time and then he proceeded to lose anyone that he did get um with his foster parents and everything so a lot of times with attachment disorders, you see just sort of that self-sabotaging of relationships or um, difficulty with your own emotions and everything. And so I, I can't say it changed my mind about him. I still don't like him, but I kind of learned a little bit of empathy for Pietro doing the reading. Something that he could probably stand to learn a little for others as well. <laughs> <laughs> Regina, yeah. any thoughts from you? It's so interesting that with his codependence with Wanda, like he loves her and he does everything for her, but he's not really putting her first. He's putting himself first and what he wants and what he thinks is best, but he's not really thinking about what is best for her. He's still thinking, how is this going to benefit me? You know, it's like, it's, it's a really weird and twisted relationship because you do know that he loves her like it's very clear everything that he does is for her but not in the way that a healthy relationship a healthy love for your sibling would be and it makes everything else go bad just that first impulse that he has you know I want to do this for Wanda but I'm going to do it in my own best interest of what I think is best for her, not what's actually best for her. And then everything that happens after that is just lost. It's like mm-hmm. the motive, because the motivation is so impure, it taints everything else that happens after that. And I found that really interesting when I was going back and rereading everything. And, you know, we, we often talk about female characters that are defined by their male character counterpart like Scott and Jean have been cited often as being a very unhealthy relationship but with this it's inverted because you don't really think about Quicksilver outside of his relationship with Wanda he's just kind of an afterthought and I think that that does you know even as a reader it kind of jumps out at you that he's never the one person that that gets that forgiveness and forgets that love from other characters even Magneto has forgiven Wanda over and over and over and loves Wanda and extends this love to her. And Pietro never gets that. He never gets empathy from any of these other characters. And I don't think there's any other characters except maybe Luna that actually does love him. And that's Mm. gotta be fucked up. I mean, Wanda has people that do love her, people that will defend her. Pietro literally has nobody, not even Wanda sometimes. She... They fight, they make up, but at the 
the end of the day, she's really not there for him either. So he's he's a very lowly character. Some of it is self-imposed, probably most of it is self-imposed, but that's got to reinforce that constant negative refrain that we see in his character. He is a character that has spent most of his life as the outsider. He's the mutant away from humans. He's the mutant away from the inhumans. Uh, he never really fits in. And a lot of his upbringing was being attacked or discriminated against. I, I can, to a certain point, afford him an amount of understanding like I can with Magneto about like, okay, some of your actions are justified. But he also, much like Northstar or Namor, is the bitchy asshole character that we love to see on the team. And uh, uh, Leah Williams describes her love of Northstar as like, he's super prickly, but if you, if you get on his good side, like if he, if he trusts you, if he, once you're in, you're in, he will move, you know, heaven and earth to be there for you. And that's kind of how I heard, like uh, when we interviewed Jim Zub, that's how I heard him talk about Quicksilver. He has this kind of love for once, once you've won Quicksilver, or once you've earned his trust, he'll, he'll do anything. Uh, we see a different character written by different writers. Peter David and David Hine are really good at writing Quicksilver as just the very complicated, almost anti-hero who doesn't quite fit. But we see writers like Steve Englehart, uh, who just made him a bad guy. Uh, David Hine did kind of the same thing with Quicksilver. He's just, he's just irredeemably bad in some of these storylines. Then you see other writers try to explain it off. Well, this is why he was bad. Uh, it, uh, Rick excuse me, Christos Gage did some really crazy work with Pietro and Avengers Academy, where he's the very surly, unlikable guy, but he's molding these teenage lives and like playing this kind of father role that he never did for his own kid. So there's a lot of different ways that his story can be told. You get to see this best version of him, which is like the grumpy, loyal guy or the morally complicated guy or just the sheer evil guy. Uh, so on one side, we could diagnose him with an attachment disorder. And on the other side, he's kind of an irredeemable narcissist who sees human lives as beneath him. And it kind of depends on the story being told. Uh, but I do love him, even though he's very complex. Like Noel said, I find myself wanting to defend certain characters. Juggernaut came across that way and Wanda came across that way. Like, but Pietro, I kind of don't want to. I kind of want to condemn him. <laughs> like, there's, there's an energy about this character that, that brings up a different uh, feeling for me. You know, it's funny. Somebody said the word anti-hero, and that was kind of when when I was introduced to the character, like organically, he was a hero. It was like in his storied past, he had been a villain. Other characters, like Rogue comes to mind. When she joined, you know, the X-Men, it was kind of like, oh, well, you know, the Avengers took uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, and they were terrorists. And it's just interesting that you know, we live in, you know, the Krakoan era now, and we've got Mr. Sinister sitting on the Quiet Council, like, things have changed, but back in the day, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch were kind of trailblazers as far as, you know, villain redemption arcs, right, and the, the thing about, you know, whatever your biases are with, you know, between the twins, right, uh, some of us feel a lot more sympathy towards the Scarlet Witch than others, and, uh, one thing that I think is really clear is Quicksilver is at his most interesting when he's wrestling against or sometimes giving into his worst impulses, right? Whereas you want to see Wanda overcome her bullshit and, and achieve like, you know, the levels of her power and her like potential. When Quicksilver's zipping around and just rescuing everyone and, you know, having like a, a little quip or whatever, like, okay, it's fine, but it's not groundbreaking. 
But when you see him wrestling with his stuff and you see him manipulating, you know, these huge situations or, you know, on the ground over in Genosha, you know, like that's when he becomes a more interesting character. He's just, you know, they, they both fall on that villain hero line, but I think Wanda falls a little more on the heroic side. And Quicksilver is just more interesting as a little bit of a villain. When we bring up the trial points today, I, I feel like there's some storylines where he's trying to do what he sees as the right thing, but using very complicated reasons to do it. And then there are other times where he is just re like viewing the world from his own place and he doesn't give a shit about the consequences except for his own motivations. Uh, and some things are easier to find understanding for than the others, but they're, I think, both part of his character. Yeah, like for sure, Quicksilver is against mask mandates and he'll tell you why he doesn't need to wear one because he moves so fast and you're an <laughs> idiot for even suggesting it. Like that's his whole vibe. He tells you why you don't need to wear one. Come on, don't exactly. you want to be better like me? <laughs> yeah, where he says, and you can wear one anyways, but who cares? You're as yeah. important as bacteria or whatever. Because like he's <laughs> just that kind of a dick. <laughs> Uh, let me ask you guys the question. Uh, we hold a lot of like bitchy or asshole characters in very high esteem. We love Monet. We love Emma. We love North Star. Uh, why don't we love Pietro in the same way? I don't like when men act like that. Well, what was that, Bradley? <laughs> I said, I don't like when men act like that. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, it's, it's okay for North Star because he's gay, but Pietro's straight, so it's not okay. <laughs> I don't like North Star. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I should. While we're here. I don't have to like gays. I do it all the time. <laughs> okay, no, but you just spilled there because, yeah, I think you're right. Quicksilver's the metamorphosis of uh, speedsters. <laughs> I think, no. I think when a lot of the other characters do it, like Emma and Monet, they have this kind of really bitchy, sassy attitude, but it's a front for covering up how they actually feel. Mm -hmm. And Quicksilver, that's just how he is. He's not putting up a front because he's trying to necessarily hide his trauma. He'll tell you his trauma if he feels like it. He just doesn't feel like anybody else is as good as him. And he's not doing the things that he does for anybody else. He's doing it for his own ends or for his sister. And that's the bottom line. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that 100%. And I also think he doesn't actually have the stuff to back up what he says. Like, he just, he he says he is the greatest, but I don't agree. But nobody likes him. But and he's yeah. terrible. And he makes bad decisions. He's not, it's not, it's not genuine. His costume sucks. It's not accurate. And there's no heart behind it. There's no like deep inner, I'm really doing this for the good of other people. It's all based in selfishness and conceited actions. So that's why you can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. The character he reminds me the most of, honestly, is Charles Xavier. And I also yes. hate Charles Xavier. So. I feel like I, will, I got a nice thing to say about Quicksilver because I am and I do not argue anything that you guys just said. I, all of that <laughs> valid, co-signed, etc. One nice thing to say about him: impeccable hair and a great design. And he was—I I, I'm imagining—kind of like one of the first characters that it was like he has white hair, but he is young and hot and vibrant, and it's kind of like part of his power set or whatever. And it was just 
something so simple and distinct. And then those two pointy, y'all can't see this on the podcast, but I'm doing big dramatic bangs. He's got these two like horn-like bangs that are so sickening. So I give him props for that. Yes, the man's got style. Makes it work. Yeah. He and Wanda, honey, he and Wanda debuted with some bangs. The bangs are impeccable. Clock well, especially next to Toad and Mastermind. It's like, okay. <laughs> you got the potato sacks, right. and then you got the, the co-stars on the brothers. You got it. Like you've got to imagine, like I, uh, I always think about Xavier and Magneto as like uh, competing pageant moms. Where Xavier goes, like, "Oh, <laughs> look at his kids! No, Jean, put it on in that mini dress. Get it on! Get it on!" <laughs> when we put on that best, mini dress that and some big yellow gloves. Of their relationship that I've ever heard. <laughs> throw, throw the, throw the, the Malcolm X MLK analogies in the trash. We have show moms, and it no, is dance moms. a thousand percent right. Yeah, dance moms. Hardcore dance moms. Oh who can you guys? Who can you guys name besides Crystal, who has been romantically linked to Quicksilver? Oh, Synapse. Synapse. Uh huh. Who's the Inhuman uh, Emily Guerrero from the uh, Uncanny Avengers series? That's it. Oh, uh, Scarlet Witch. What do you think of his marriage to Crystal? Are they a good match? Well, Crystal's not good either. Like we yeah, right. could uh, we could debate whether uh, whether Quicksilver is is good or bad all day. But the question remains: Is a single Inhuman redeemable? <laughs> exactly. First of all, Inhumans. Yeah. I love them, but they are trash. <laughs> They're my <laughs> trash. <laughs> Any other thoughts on that marriage? Uh, I think that, a beard, um... a beard, Quicksilver <laughs> dealing with his own issues or incapable thereof, a marriage of convenience. <laughs> Luna is a, a child of scandal, honey. He, like Quicksilver, is so deep in the closet. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's my head game. I'm sorry, I do not accept him as a purely heterosexual person, I think he's a bit, maybe he's bi, maybe he's pan, whatever, but he is not dealing with it. He is repressed. And that is a big part of his problems. Like his, the whole disapproval from Magneto from the jump reads very like, oh, you're the spitting image of me, but you're a faggot, you know? Like it's <laughs> very like, I, you should be my protege and my scion and, the, you know, the, the prince to carry on the family name, but you were a huge disappointment. So for me, I mean, you know, we all bring our own perspectives, but yeah, like Quicksilver has always read as incredibly repressed. And I think that's kind of the source of a lot of his problems. Even in these early uh, uncanny issues that, that, uh, that I was reading for, for this, you know, he, he goes to Charles Xavier, Xavier's funeral Spoiler, Charles Xavier is alive, but this is <laughs> one of his sham deaths, which I love. Um, and, you know, Pietro goes, but he's like hiding behind a tree. And then when they, the X-Men see him, they're like, oh, hey, that's Pietro. Hey, Pietro, what's up? And he's like, no, I must flee. And they're like, bro, what the fuck? What happened? What's his problem? Like, but just that whole like tortured, like I could be good, but I can't get out of my own way kind of trope. Um, yeah, all stems from him being repressed. So uh, psychology speak, self-fulfilling prophecy is when we make our own greatest fear happen. 
unintentionally, right? And Pietro seems to me like someone who defines his worth based on one particular thing. So at the beginning, it's how much can I protect Wanda? And as long as I can protect her, then I have value. Uh, and then later, it's uh, as long as I can be Magneto's son and find worth in that. He never quite seems to hold himself up to that standard when it comes to being a husband to Crystal or a father to Luna. Uh, they're almost, he just kind of casts them aside. But there does seem to be a similar aspect of that with Captain America sometimes. As long as I can be the hero Cap expects me to be. Uh, and then when all that's stripped away, he's just like pissed underneath it all. There, there seems to be a, an interesting kind of uh, impossible uh, journey. Like uh, he likes Wanda when she complies, but when, when, when Wanda has independence, he does not like it. Then he's, he gets all surly and wants revenge. So it's interesting, uh, it's interesting to think uh, how much of his efforts over the years have been to keep Wanda close while just kind of letting other people go or to keep Magneto close and then uh, betraying Magneto almost constantly until he, you know, finds out Magneto is not his dad. So there, there's some interesting components there. Any thoughts on that? Well, okay. I'm thinking about him. I'm thinking about him as a father again. This is a, a brief aside, but imagine how annoyed Wanda has to be that he gets to be a father and consistently blows it so hard and she derailed her whole life <laughs> for her kids and to be a mother of real children. <laughs> like, that sucks. <laughs> Hate to see it. <laughs> <laughs> That's uncomfortable to realize, yeah. Any other thoughts? Well, we're going to have a lot to say about him as we move forward, but uh, what an interesting discussion. Already kind of centered my face here. I've I got one thing I want to just throw out there just to like get it out of my head because like the paternity of it all, right? Like the, the, it's just really tricky, right? Because like I, you know, and, and I'll just, I know it's better to judge work by what actually happens rather than what you hope and pray and dream. But like, and I love Leah, but with Trial of Magneto, I, like a lot of other people were kind of, I think, hoping and praying that maybe the Wanda and Quicksilver at all would become mutants again, or maybe if not mutants, at least Magneto is their father. Like it felt like let's bring back the house of M in a way, right? Whether or not they're mutants. And it happened to an extent. Like I think uh, the, the concept of like, it doesn't matter of our blood, like you are still my family is super valid and, and, and an important thing. Um, but yeah, in my head, I, I I still feel like it's it's almost like Franklin Richards, right? Like I accept that he's currently not a mutant, but it's not even headcanon. I'm just like waiting for it to be revealed. Oh no, no, he 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 warped reality, right? So like that's the, what I'm doing with with the Maximoff twins. This is you know still part of Wanda's reality warp in my headcanon. Anyways, I just had to spit that out because yeah, Wanda Gore Mountain for like is ten a, years, so. <laughs> It's a mess. I've been waiting any day now. High evolutionary, like it is a cluster. Bova, are we going to get into the bova of it all? Come on. <laughs> At this point, they've done so much since then that I don't like. I don't know if they'll ever actually be mutants again. Because I, I truly what like for like a very long time, I was just like, oh, they're just going to undo that when movie rights revert back or whatever. At this point, there's just so much water under the bridge, narratively speaking, as far as like 
their actual origins and all that shit. I, I don't know. <laughs> oh my god, it was like a, what, like a year ago when like the fan theories of WandaVision were already like, oh, and this is going to bring the mutants into the MCU and like, you know, I mean, you know, your your tinfoil hat may vary and you know how deep into those conspiracies <laughs> you got, but like I gotta admit it was a Mine shiny thing large. that it was like, I'm not holding my breath, my breath, yeah. but like that would be kind of cool. Yes. So they, you know, who knows? It's no comma more mutants. <laughs> <laughs> I hope uh, the round boner of it all was a phenomenal reveal. I know your mileage may vary. I know some people it was just the worst thing that ever happened in the history of television. Um, but I loved it. That shit was hilarious. I hope to someday interview the writer and or editor who made the decision to not have Magneto be their parents any longer. Because it was such an interesting, uh, interesting, decisive choice to separate these characters out from the X-Men, but they remain connected still. Uh, it's so it's so interesting to consider. Okay, so I think we're going to go ahead and begin. And uh, a lot of our listeners are going to be familiar with our trial format. Uh, what we're going to do is we have six trial points. I'm going to review certain sections of Pietro's history out loud. I do try to be comprehensive but succinct at the same time. Uh, and a lot of these are summarized with multiple issues. I will try to give the issue references for each section. Uh, one member of our journey, journey, our jury has been assigned to have a brief prosecution of the character as far as why Pietro is culpable in each section. Uh, another person has then been assigned to uh, offer a defense. We will discuss and then vote. Our voting scale as we move forward, and I do have my little pin chart ready to keep everybody, <laughs> everybody's votes uh, uh, quick so I can do my uh, calculations as needed. Uh, we're going to vote one through five in each section. So when it's time to vote, number one, if you vote that, you see these crimes, quote unquote, as justifiable actions. Number two, morally concerning. Number three, definitely inappropriate. Four, stepping over the line into criminal behavior. And five, pure evil. So it's not the finest rating scale, but it's the one we've used on the other trials, so we'll keep it consistent. Okay, so with that, let's begin the trial of Pietro Maximoff. Uh, uh, as a reminder, Regina, you will be the prosecution on this one and Arturo, the defense. Trial point one is involvement with the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. During their brief time with the Brotherhood, Pietro found himself constantly protecting Wanda against the predatory mastermind and the stalking toad. When Magneto directed the Brotherhood to take over the country of Santo Marco, which is a country that had called for mutants to be killed, the X-Men attacked and Quicksilver fought them. But when Magneto activated a nuclear fucking bomb, Quicksilver deactivated it, uh, saving the X-Men and all of the humans there. Magneto captured the angel and the X-Men rushed to save him. And during this fight, Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch willfully stood up to Magneto. The Brotherhood sought to recruit Namor the Submariner and later the Blob, and there were more fights with the X-Men, but Pietro stood up to Magneto uh, during these times as well. When the evolutionaries offered to help Magneto destroy all of humanity, uh, which these the memories of these events were erased from the characters involved, uh, Pietro secretly rushed to warn the X-Men. And when the stranger pulled Magneto and Toad into space, Wanda and Pietro left the Brotherhood and soon joined the Avengers. However, after a long stint with the Avengers, Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch were captured by Magneto and Toad, who had returned to Earth. Magneto took them to the United Nations and demanded that a country be given to mutants. 
Then the Avengers attacked, and during that time, Magneto manipulated a stray bullet from a human's gun to strike Wanda, which uh, made her amnesiac for a time. Pietro, thinking that the humans had attacked them, willfully rejoined the Brotherhood, reuniting with Magneto and going back to their base. Uh, when Professor X died, which of course he was alive, Pietro went to the funeral briefly, which infuriated Magneto. Back at the base, the X-Men attacked and Magneto easily defeated them, but Pietro convinced Magneto to let uh, to let the X-Men stay alive and captive. When Cyclops escaped, Pietro fought him, but soon the Avengers arrived, the island was destroyed, Magneto was defeated, and Pietro ended up back with the Avengers. So the issue is just kind of summarized there. X-Men Volume 1, number 4 and 5, and 12 through 15. Uh, excuse me, I just did that wrong. Number 4 and 5, 6, 7, and 8, as well as number 11. Uh, Avengers number 16 is included there. Uh, Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch from the Avengers Origins line, that issue. Uh, we also cover X-Men Volume 2. I'm sorry, Volume 3, numbers 12 through 15, as well as X-Men Giant Size number 1. And then finally, X-Men 43 through 45 and Avengers 53. So a lot of stuff summarized all together. Let me turn that over to Regina for the prosecution. One of the big problems with Pietro at this point is that he consistently talks about Homo Superior being better than humanity. And yet he's flip-flopping. He continuously flip-flops throughout this period. And there's an old saying, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Well, during this particular issue with him being part of the Brotherhood, he literally keeps betraying them. He doesn't stand on his own two feet. He can't quite make a decision on which side that he's on. He does things that don't make any real sense considering who he is at this point. And he's continuously helping the X-Men even against what he continuously says he believes in. Like, which way are you going here? Nobody can trust you at this point because who are you going to betray next? <laughs> like, you're constantly betraying Magneto, you're constantly betraying the Brotherhood, and you're constantly betraying the X-Men because at this point, you've tried to quote-unquote help them, but then you're turned back into a jerk and you're like, you know what, I'm going to kick your ass in the end. Like, pick a side. You are flip-flopping way too much Nobody knows which side you're on, and we can't trust you. Literally, nobody at this point can trust you. And Arturo for the defense. Okay. The inenviable position of trying to defend Pietro Maximoff. First of all, <laughs> uh, I, I commend a lot of the points the prosecutor made. Uh, however, there was a bit of leading the witness, a little bit of a... Um, I'm flanking on my see I should have I should have watched I should have prepped with more oh my god I was gonna say night court but that makes me sound like I'm 400 years old <laughs> and judge Judy judge Judy um anyways uh here's the thing he is 100% with the brotherhood of evil he has he has he has said no I, I I'm not a hero I don't belong with the x-men they're too idealistic i'm here to, you know for my sister or whatever so that stuff is you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pretend that that didn't happen he's there with the brotherhood of evil mutants it's you know the hint is in the name and what you know what the law what, what the prosecutor would would have you believe is you know from the avengers perspective oh you know this guy's going to betray us and that is completely valid but the purpose that Quicksilver serves in these stories is 
he's the thorn in Magneto's side. He is mitigating the harm that Magneto would otherwise cause. So, I mean, is he a hero? No, right? But he is doing heroic things. He's, he's well, that's, that's even putting it a little bit too, too, too nicely. He's, he's, he's causing a little bit less harm. Um, if you believe in the redemption of, of a villain, this is kind of where you, you need to kind of open your heart a little bit for, for Pietro and, and hope, you know, that, that uh, less punitive and more, more restorative and reformative um, actions could help him. And I think it'll be argued that, you know, soon after in his chronology, that is what we see. We, we do get a heroic Pietro uh, eventually. But when he was with the Brotherhood, he was with the Brotherhood. <laughs> this is a man who has spent years at this point doing nothing but seeking to protect his sister. And I think through this era, we see that same motivation. They've been living in isolation. They're now in America. There's all these mutants and new politics. And he's doing nothing mostly but trying to save or protect uh, his sister over and over and over again at the expense of almost anything else. But we do see him willfully turning against Magneto over and over again during this time, which is interesting. Uh, thoughts on this section of his history from people or questions you need before uh, uh, to clarify your vote in a few minutes. This is one where I find it hard to come down too much on Pietro. He's very young. Um, Magneto is doing a lot of manipulation. Mm -hmm. And I think it's kind of fair at that time, which I hate to say, but it's kind of fair that he doesn't know which road he wants to take. So I have a hard time criticizing him too much. Yes, also, uh, regarding anything the Brotherhood did during this period, my big question is, what did you do successfully? quickly <laughs> like I, what what was the ramifications of a single thing they did <laughs> just, just setting up wins for the x-men yeah i'm inclined to forgive because i don't know he didn't <laughs> it, it never ended up mattering he'll he'll do way worse before the day is up <laughs> i mean they took over a country but i kind of get it they demanded having their own country but i kind of get it <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, in, in 2022, we have Krakoa, and I mean, that's kind of when you think about it. This is this is what they achieved after all these years. They finally have their own country. They're not bothering anybody. They're you know they've got their own thing going. They've got their own language and culture. And honestly, I was like, why did you choose me to prosecute? Because I would love to defend Pietro for this <laughs> because he is mitigating Magneto's harm. He is saying, you know, as a man, I don't want to be responsible for the deaths of people that I, even though I don't think that they're as good as I am, but they don't deserve to die for not being born a mutant. And I don't want to be responsible for those deaths. So I'm going to do what I can to stop this from happening. Even though they freaking hate me and people like that have attacked me, I still don't want to be culpable in their murder. Like that's huge when you're part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. So this actually made actually made me feel more endeared towards Pietro. 
It sounded like you had a lot of trouble spitting that out. <laughs> it made me not hate him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, to be clear, like being the most heroic male in the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants at this point was not, it, it's a pretty low bar to clear. Okay? We got Toad, who's like just literally licking Magneto's boots. You've got rapey Mr. Mastermind over there. Like, it's not a good scene. Like, so Pietro being like the more morally complex and, you know, gray character, you know, the competition was not stiff. But you I also do. have to acknowledge oh, go, go ahead. But Mr. Master, Mastermind may have been. Oh, God, that might be too far. <laughs> Alicia, go ahead. I was just going to say you have to um, acknowledge the courage that it takes to stand up and make the decisions that you're making in each of these battles to go against Magneto, you right. know, to stop him from doing things and not saying it like behind the scenes before a battle when you're talking about a plan, like, um, maybe I don't think that's such a good idea, but to do that in public, in front of people, as it's happening, as it's happening you're you're making a conscious choice to do the right thing and other people are seeing that and maybe that could influence where the choices of the rest of yeah. the brotherhood go going forward. So while, you know, you still have the fact that you're on a team of evil mutants, you're still having this battle within yourself and in the moment of ultimate decision-making, you're making the choice to do the right thing when yeah. it comes down to it. You know, you might not be planning to do that, but then something inside you changes and you do. Yeah. There's a lot of good heart peeking through the influence of, what's around him and, and he's following orders and he's a part of this team and he's there really to protect his sister, but he's doing the right thing in the times that matter and consistently too. So I, I just, he's good. <laughs> there is, there is a difference uh, between, I don't know if he rushes into the battle and says, I'm fighting humans to protect mutants. I'm like, okay, I get it. But he rushes into the battle and he's like, fuck humans, you all deserve to die because I'm superior to you, which makes it, you know, you want to look at the first motivation, but he delivers it in such a way where you're like, ooh, no. <laughs> uh, so on this section, let's go ahead and uh, vote. Again, one, justifiable action. Two, morally concerning. Three, definitely inappropriate. Four, over the line into criminal behavior. Five, pure evil. Uh, let's go uh, Noel first. One. I'm going to vote two. Justin? Two. Bradley? Two. Alicia? Two. Arturo? One. And Regina? One. Okay, I will add those up uh, eight, 10, 11 out of 35 points possible there. I mean, as, as Pietro's public defender for that section, you know, my, my vote may have been a little biased, but, <laughs> but don't worry, folks, it's going to get a whole lot worse real soon. How about with trial point two? <laughs> uh, so on this one, as a reminder, uh, Noel will be on prosecution and Justin on defense. Now, this is a lengthy piece of Pietro's publication history. I tried to put it all together in one place. Uh, I will try to cover this briefly, but it does cover quite a bit of ground. Uh, so trial point two is simply becoming a supervillain. After Crystal cheated on Pietro and Wanda married the Vision and gave birth to twins, Pietro frankly went mad. 
Quicksilver made up a false report of criminal behavior and gave the intel to the government, alleging that the Avengers and the West Coast Avengers had covered up crimes. The government sent Freedom Force to arrest the Avengers teams, and they were put on trial and imprisoned, but they soon escaped, determined to clear their names and expose their real enemy, uh, who was, of course, Quicksilver, who soon revealed he was behind it all. He found the Avengers and he screamed at them about all he had been through, including feeling betrayed by Wanda, choosing the vision over him. And then stating how he had transferred that love to Crystal, but she too had betrayed him. Quicksilver employed the Zodiac criminals, well, the life model decoy versions of them, and set traps in various places around the world that had significance to him and the Avengers. And then he attacked the team in multiple places and worked with criminals to try to kill them. Later, he wanted revenge on the Human Torch because he had once dated Crystal, even before they were together. Hearing that the Torch had married the blind sculptress Alicia Masters, he kidnapped the woman and screamed at her, not knowing that she was actually a scroll in disguise. When the Fantastic Four attacked, Quicksilver fought them, ranting like a supervillain, but he was soon captured and placed in the Baxter building for containment. In time, he escaped, but the Inhumans captured him and then imprisoned him in Adelaide. Later, and this is uh, this is not much later, Maximus the Mad, who is the telepathic, crazy, inhuman, mind-controlled Pietro. And this is, I want to be very clear, this is the only time where it's clearly stated Pietro was being mind-controlled by Maximus. He mind-controlled Pietro into kidnapping four-year-old Franklin Richards on Earth. Pietro also battled young Leech and Power Pack, all children heroes. He took Franklin back to Adelan, but the Inhumans and X-Factor were soon defeated. They soon defeated Maximus and freed Pietro's mind. Now back to himself, Pietro went to his baby Luna, promising to make things right for her. Still mad, still crazy, he soon teamed up with a, a group of Soviet super criminals, including El Toro, Madame X, the Voice of Doom, the Scarlet Beetles, and the Beasts of Berlin, and they're all as terrible as they sound. <laughs> and he set a trap for the West Coast Avengers by making Henry Pym believe that his deceased first wife, Maria Travoya, was still alive. Then he lured the Scarlet Witch and Vision into another trap, pretending that Bova, their cow lady, was in danger. Quicksilver imprisoned some of the team for a time and blocked their powers before revealing he was out for revenge. He sought to kill the Vision first, and he used this phrase, I want to become the king of evil mutants. <laughs> when the Avengers escaped into Latveria, Quicksilver chased them, and he ended up battling another child, this time Christoph Bernard, who's wearing the armor of Dr. Doom. Back in Hungary, he was defeated when the powers of uh, Modom, who's a girl, Modok, acted up, and his powers were briefly blocked. He soon returned to Adelan, claiming that this telepathic attempt or attack by Modom had helped him realize that all of his recent criminal actions had been due to mind control from Maximus, though he kind of appears to be lying if you read the story. After agreeing to give his marriage to Crystal another try, Pietro immediately called Dr. Doom and then sent him after Christoph Bernard as he wanted revenge on the kid for having fought him. Much later still, when Quicksilver was leading the Knights of Wondegore, and this is much later in his continuity, Maximus briefly mind-controlled Quicksilver into stealing the Terrigen Mists from the Inhumans. Maximus has a long history of taking mental control of people like Black Bolt and Medusa, 
and releasing their darker natures, even controlling them for a time. But it's never quite been made clear how culpable Maximus has been with all of Quicksilver's actions during this time. It's only stated clearly in that one story, and then it's Quicksilver claiming that it happened later. Uh, now, these stories are recounted from Avengers Annual 15, West Coast Avengers Annual Number 1, Fantastic Four 304 through 306, X-Factor Annual Number 2, West Coast Avengers 33 through 36, Fantastic Four Annual 21 Part 2, and Quicksilver Volume 1 Number 6 through 8. So <laughs> that's a lot of reference material again. Let me turn it over to Noel for the prosecution. First of all, thank you, Chad, for the softball on the prosecution. Um, <laughs> this one wasn't hard. There's a lot to cover, so I'll try to make it quick. Um, basically, Pietro goes through a bad breakup and his sister gets married. So in retaliation, he goes on a rampage after literally everyone in his entire life. Um, he does physically attack Crystal at one point. Uh, seems like he disregards his daughter because he's mad at her mom. And he also intentionally and kind of cruelly hurts Wanda. And he uses his knowledge of um, other heroes to try and destroy them by framing the Avengers for treason and rounding up a bunch of criminals to help him. And possibly, I feel like one of the worst things he does out of all of these is planning to torture and slowly kill Johnny Storm's wife um, just because Johnny and Crystal had had a previous relationship. And when he's going on his rant about why he's doing all of these things, he makes it really uncomfortable because he blames his relationship problems on his sister and her marriage. Normal siblings do not compare their relationship to each other with their romantic partners, but he, he does explicitly. He says, Crystal, to whom I gave the love my sister threw away. That's, I tried to think of a generous reading of that, but there isn't one. And I didn't want to bring up incest, but I am the prosecution, so I need to present all of the information. <laughs> and, you know, we have the mind control, right? But Maximus only cares about the inhuman throne. And so why would he mind control Pietro to go after all these heroes and mutants who like don't give two shits about what's going on with the inhumans? So I think that's just an excuse, um, which just brings up the fact that at this time, Pietro is not able to take any responsibility for his actions, whether it's his marriage or his vengeance against everyone he knows. <laughs> There's also a shocking amount of him fighting children in this section. <laughs> yeah. I'd, in this and other sections, I'd like to come out tentatively in the fuck them kids uh, <laughs> defense. Kids are jerks. Here, here, those kids, the kids might have had bad vibes. <laughs> yeah. We haven't Fuck gotten to Layla yet. She'll come up. She no. has terrible vibes. <laughs> uh, let's hear the defense from Justin. Esteemed members of the jury, my fellow comics readers, my client stands facing a number of very serious accusations. Accusations for times that he was certainly physically present. But what I'd like to discuss with you today is his mental presence at these times. Through the events that precede the period of time in question, my client Pietro Maximoff had hit rock bottom. His wife's infidelity, leaving him unexpectedly, taking their child, feeling as though his sister and former teammates had turned their backs on him, betrayed and left by the only family and friends he'd ever known. Having married into a family where he was the only one different, 
and an outcast in every sense. This social isolation left him as easy prey to be manipulated and controlled. Under the continued manipulation of Maximus and the voice, something that we see confirmation of throughout the selected readings, Pietro committed the actions he's being accused of, not on his own free will, not in his own right mind. He was used by Maximus as, and I quote, a mind-controlled zombie. Throughout the time of some of these accusations, countless allies in the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, even his own wife, recognized that he was acting wildly out of character, calling him crazy. He became a madman, a shell of who he once was, acting beyond his control. His arguments, his reasonings for attack are all delusional and raving. He's lashing out at everything that has brought him pain, gradually embracing the only idea of self he has left, the villainous influence of his recently revealed father and former leader, Magneto. Later, we see the voice demonstrating his power over Pietro, commanding his actions and tempering his emotions. He bends his will, as well as the wills of the West Coast Avengers around him. I present to you today that my client, Mr. Pietro Maximoff, is in desperate need of your compassion. Provide him the clinical resources he needs to process these traumas. Help him to stay away from those in power who would manipulate him for their means and let him become the true hero that he is in his heart. Please, I thank you. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I do think it's important to point out on the side of the defense as well that immediately after all of this, uh, the, uh, the stints on X Factor and the Avengers and the Knights of Wonder War all took place. So we have a lot of people who were willing to forgive him. I think primarily based on the premise of Maximus did it which is very possible. I will also note, I just interviewed Steve Englehart and the episode's not out yet, but Steve, I asked him, he wrote most of these stories. And to me, he said out loud, he's like, yeah, Quicksilver's just an asshole. Somebody decided later he was being controlled. That was not me. <laughs> Crazy, look at this man, look at this man. Is that the face of a sane man in control of his actions? <laughs> yes. What are yes, I it is. I'm not gonna lie, you, you nearly, Cousin Vinny, cousin Vinny'd me there into uh, into buying it. But, uh, yeah. I will say what's kind of chilling as far as the um, him uh, attacking the Avengers, like based on his knowledge of them, it's it's very similar to what would happen later in Decimation. Um, just as far as what what's baked into this family that systematically uh, based on the weaknesses of their friends finds them and attacks them. <laughs> um, he also tries this later and we'll get to this in a bit, but he does a bunch of shitty stuff and then he says a scroll did it, but it wasn't a scroll. Uh, yes, is, is yes, the, spoiler alert. The, <laughs> yeah, the, crux, I, the crux of this point for me is was he mind controlled or not? Because we have a no. lot of heroes who get mind controlled and we can forgive them. Well, the, the things that he, the, oh, sorry, go on. No, no, you go. Some of the things that he did are based on opinions that he just has. Like um, his opinions on um, Wanda marrying the Vision are in no small part that he just thinks the Vision is a robot. Even in more recent years when he wasn't being mind controlled, he still compares her marrying the vision to marrying a microwave, an opinion that in universe is considered akin to racism because like that's, that's how they see it because that's a living 
like that's the living creature with a soul as far as um, the characters in the universe are concerned. He still thinks that. Like this is still something that he believes and he's still incredibly shitty about it, <laughs> like to this day. But I will say, and not in defense of, but I, I just want to point out, Quicksilver's sense of superiority crosses all lines of race, species, intelligence, dimensions, whatever. Like he is but superior. He does like to he does everyone. specifically. <laughs> yeah, but he does specifically uh, like continually bring up, "You left me for a robot." And it's a weird vibe to look at a marriage with. <laughs> yes. The, these are these are elements that he believes, things of himself that he believes, but the actions that he takes are amplified, amplified beyond anything that we've seen from him previously, as if they're being influenced by an outside force playing on his fears, his emotions, his insecurities, and, and jacking them up further to commit actions to disrupt everything in his life that has caused him pain that he's formerly loved. Those are nice words, but they're not true. I, yeah, I commend the defense on your um, belief in your clients. However, I do just want to reiterate, what, what purpose did Maximus have in doing anything to any of the other people in Pietro's life? Like the Inhumans, the Avengers, what are they doing? They have nothing to do with each other. And Pietro does lie hey, again Maximus later is... on and blame someone else for his actions. I, Maximus wants chaos. Maximus wants to hurt everybody that he can hurt and just let the crazy be crazy. Uh, that's definitely where he lands with things. Uh, we also see there's characters like Malice as an example. When a character's possessed, she kind of releases their darker impulses, right? And we can have heroes doing shitty things. Uh, frankly, even uh, even empath will do that to to characters around him. It's things that are already there, but he makes them go dark or release their inhibitions. And there could be a defense there if we decide Maximus was culpable. I feel like we need an incontinuity, like, yes, he did it or no, he didn't. Uh, and, I, and I don't feel like we've ever had that specifically related to Maximus about whether or not he controlled Pietro. Well, so we do see him revealing that he did at that one time. And we do know that Pietro spent a number of years on the moon and was uh, uh, withdrawn from the rest of his supports and at an extremely vulnerable state. And there is nothing that says that Maximus did not do the other things that are controlling it. And also the voice, that, that period of time in relation to the West Coast Avengers. He is completely manipulated and doing things outside of his will. He is changing his mind mid-sentence, succumbing to the imposition of the voice. The, yeah, there are. It's hard, it's hard for me to see Pietro shouting, I'm the king of evil mutants, unless Maximus is involved, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what points do we need to clarify before we vote? Anyone with what, one thing I just want to point out that that's like a recurring thing that we will see with with Pietro, as you alluded to, with you know the the scroll thing later on, he is an unrepentant liar, right? And like, you can be a generally good person and have some dishonesty in you. You could be a good person that gets caught and lies it's it's a human flaw right you see it in look at kids kids are the best example of this right good kid they make a mess they look at you and they lie right to your face right that is something that quicksilver does 
like you know like like a clock like he he just lies and when he's when his back's up against the wall he lies and then he doubles down on that lie yeah, so his, i don't i don't think instincts that... are a lie and fight a kid so <laughs> and he also doesn't take any like time to deal with his problems he was such an easy target for maximus because he's mad about his breakup and he's mad that his sister got married like yeah i would, to deal with I would that. argue i would argue that the chaos was already happening and maximus just joined in on that and used it to his advantage but Quicksilver was already doing the evil things before that started. Oh, until it was revealed Maximus's involvement. We don't know how long that goes back. And I feel like there needs to be further investigation on Maximus's involvement before we can fully pin this on my client. (laughs) Have you guys, I guarantee you guys can all think of like 10 people who fit this description. Do you ever know someone who gets caught doing something really shitty in real life? But after they've been exposed, suddenly they become huge assholes. There's like the guy who was cheating on his wife and he acts like a sweetheart. But when you find out he's actually cheating, then he's just an asshole. He like is just a huge jerk to everybody. Almost like he's doubling down or like his truer nature has been revealed. And we see a couple storylines with Pietro at his most vulnerable. We're getting to Son of M in a minute where he just becomes a crazy person. And it's... mm, we have to do, I don't know, who thinks Maximus was in control and who does not? I, I attest that he was completely in control the entire time, <laughs> unless the voice was taking over, manipulating him and the influence of his presumed father controlling to where he would go. That's three men of power changing the institute, changing the influences of my client. So but I think he's already you're... stood up to Magneto. He's already gone against the decisions Magneto makes. But do you know how to make Magneto mad? You, you fluster his plans and then he plots. He plots the way that Magneto does in a secret cool base that you want to visit but can never see in a volcano, in an asteroid. And he uses many resources. Another way Maniacal, to make- that man. Another way to make Magneto mad is to pee in his helmet. <laughs> Wolverine. Uh, are we ready to vote in this section? Yes. Uh, okay, Regina. I got to go. I gotta go with four. Like, so that's uh, over the line criminal behavior. Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, and I have intense sympathy for somebody whose spouse has cheated on them. That is a very painful thing to go through, whether you're married or not married. You know, if if you feel that you know you're devoted to this person and you've given them you know your all, and then they turn around and cheat on you, it's it's painful and it's hurtful. And you know, even if you're fighting all the time it's still another betrayal on top of betrayal but you can't just let something like that make you run around and like kidnap people like come on so and I also have intense sympathy for you know him being mind control like you know I don't blame Bucky in the MCU movies for anything that he did when he was under the control of Hydra clearly Bucky himself would never have chosen to do those things Maximus is controlling Pietro at some point. We don't know exactly when it would have started, exactly when it ended. We don't. But honestly, I don't think that I don't think that in this specific case, these are not things that Pietro wouldn't have done. I think Pietro would have wanted to do these things, whether he was mind controlled or not. And so I can't give him any extra points for that. Sorry, Justin. <laughs> I'm going to vote next, and I'm going to lean on innocent till proven guilty. 
we don't know if he was mind controlled, but I'm going to assume that he was, and I'm going to give him a two in this section, but I'm concerned. I'm on the fence. Uh, Noel. I'm going to go four. I, I would do a five, but the, I believe one instance where Pietro was under mind control is the mitigation there for me. At least two. At least two. <laughs> at least two uh, explicitly stated. Uh, Justin. Oh, it's a one for me. Sorry. I'm just, this is this is complete <laughs> manipulation from outside forces at a very vulnerable time in his life. He is not guilty. Arturo. Uh, I give it a solid three. Inappropriate, inappropriate behavior. I, I believe. I believe the mind control may be like a mitigating factor. That's why we're at three and not not higher up. Um, but his base instincts, his, his actions are inappropriate. And I think he is the fertile soil upon which Maximus was able to really get his hooks in. So inappropriate, three. Bradley? Yeah, I think Maximus tapped into a lot of already really dark shit that was there. I'm gonna go three. Uh, I don't think the mind control is a non-factor, but I, I do think he, Maximus was really lucky that he was in close proximity. <laughs> And Alicia. Going four, I like completely agree with what Noel said. I think there may have been some mind control in there. There was definitely a little bit of mind control in there, but he would have done all of these things on his own anyway. He just stormed out of the room. Division. Okay. In this one, we uh, we have a score of 21 out of 35 points possible. Uh, okay, compelling. Let's go to, uh, and, and this was an example, I, I know all of you are X-Men fans, this was an example of where we had to read a lot of non-X books, so thank you for your willingness to go outside of the franchise. Uh, okay, trial point three is House of M. Uh, we have Bradley on prosecution, Alicia on defense. Uh, after At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Lengthy stint with X-Factor, the Knights of Avalon, and the Avengers. Pietro officially ended his marriage from Crystal or, or separated and served briefly at the side of Magneto in the Genosian government. He also learned Polaris was maybe his sister. Wanda, forced to confront the tragic loss of her twins, went mad and attacked the Avengers, resulting in the death of some of the team members. Quicksilver blamed the Avengers for her madness and frankly, it was kind of a fair defense. Or, or a fair accusation. Uh, when some of the heroes rushed in to confront Wanda, some who had the intent to kill her, Pietro convinced Wanda to steal Xavier's powers and then use them in conjunction with her own chaos magic to remake the world into one where her family would have peace. And she created the House of M reality, where, uh, where the Maximoffs and Magneto lived in privilege and mutants ruled the world. Things were okay there until the heroes got their memories back. Horrified, Magneto lashed out and killed Pietro, blaming him. But Wanda revived Pietro, then used her powers to, re to rewrite reality again, rendering all but a few hundred mutants on the planet as humans, 
and taking away their powers seemingly forever, Pietro lost his powers as well, which is frankly the best way to hurt him if you want to, is to take his speed away. Uh, so we're recounting House of M one through eight, specifically issues seven and eight here. Uh, let's turn it over to Bradley for prosecution. All right, thank you. Um, literally, thank you. This is the easiest. Um, <laughs> um, so what we have here is someone who, I mean, by his own admission, um, his gut instinct is to run away from his problems. Um, and <laughs> Justin creeping into the frame. Um, his gut instinct is to run away from his problems. And that's what he does here. There were, the Avengers were coming for Wanda. I, their intention, at least some of them, was to put an end to her. I won't, I won't argue that, but I think there were a lot of other, um, there were a lot of other options to go with before you convince her to rewrite reality and ultimately doom a lot of mutants. Um, something that she will struggle in universe for the rest of her publication up to this date uh, with bearing the responsibility for, but was something that he sort of engineered. He had the idea to do it. Um, uh, so I'm sympathetic for him. Um, he was looking down the barrel of losing the only person that matters to him at this point. Um, but I don't think that excuses, um, I don't think that excuses his hand in, uh, in making this happen. And Alicia for the defense. Okay. So if we're going to break down the events of House of M, we need to separate Quicksilver from the statement, no more mutants. Quicksilver is responsible for the altering of reality, but he is not responsible for the choices that Wanda made after that. In his mind, there was no escape from the death of his sister. He wanted to save her from what he thought was going to be a murder by a bunch of people who he thought already caused this pain already caused her to be where she was at. And instead of looking for a solution on how to help Wanda, who is supposed to be a teammate and a friend, all of these people thought we should just kill her instead. And that's the last information that he had when he left there. If I leave here right now, I can save my sister before she is killed. This, I would argue, is also one of the only times that Quicksilver started to think about how these actions would affect other people. Because he could have just said, let's alter reality and you and I escape somewhere. But instead, he asked her to alter reality so that everyone got what they wanted most. So it wasn't just about him for this one instance. So he was actually thinking about other people. Now we, we know all the things that happened during this altered world. We know that some people were um, dead and are now alive. And we know that the heroes believed that things would be better back the way they were, even though mutants were living a better life than they had been living before. And now we go to the situation of getting, um, getting things back to how they were. And in that process, Magneto killed Quicksilver 
And it was the action of Magneto killing Quicksilver, which caused Wanda to make the choice to say no more mutants. It was not because of what Quicksilver did. So though he did make a choice, he made a choice for everyone else. He did try to take into consideration how that choice would affect everybody else when he made it. And it was not his choice that caused Wanda to make the statement, no more mutants. So I don't think we can hold him responsible for the end result of House of M because his actions were intended to save his sister and anything that happened after that point, that's not just his fault because he wasn't the only one who did it. Thoughts and clarifying points. Um, I do think if you put a loaded gun in the hands of a visibly unraveled uh, person, which she was at that point, she was destroyed. Uh, you're partially responsible for whatever comes out of it. Uh, but I, I, I agree, there's this sort of a, a factor where there's a lot of contributing, like Magneto is also very much responsible for what comes out of this, much as he will say he's not, uh, much as he himself will blame Pietro entirely. Um, but I do think he's, it would have never occurred to her to do this because she says she was just gonna, as far as both of them are concerned, she, she's going to die by the Avengers hands, but she was just gonna let it happen. Um, I, I do think he bears part of the responsibility. I feel like the Avengers are very culpable here for having kept the secret from Wanda for so long. And uh, I don't think to Alicia's point that Pietro could have possibly predicted how things were going to turn out uh, in his desperation to save his sister, the rewriting of reality itself, and then the eventual outcome. Uh, yeah, I, I think that was pretty hard to look that up. Like you didn't know what was gonna, what was gonna take place. Yeah, and you know, in the last section, we saw or Petro's been in a state of vulnerability himself, and someone has taken advantage of that. And he he definitely was the user in this situation because you know Wanda had accepted what was potentially going to happen to her, and Pietro made a decision, and he took advantage of her state of mind at that point, and. I, I like Bradley's uh, analogy of the loaded gun. Like she, she can alter reality. You can't, and she's not in a good state of mind. You can't just play with that. I yeah, think I what's mean, interesting about him encouraging her to do this, um, that's something that will come up much later. And this has to do with takeaways from, from these events uh, and what they learned respectively from, from, their, uh, from the House of M stuff. Um, but um, during Civil War II, during the, the matter of um, the, the kid um, that's the, the, has the prophecies, the inhuman child, um, he comes to her and he's extremely against um, this, this uh, prophetic vision child. But she says, uh, from her perspective, she says, magic has used the visions of future seers for a while oftentimes to guide, to know what path is um, useful and, uh, and or what will end in disaster. Something that we could have used many times, like uh, if uh, before 
altering the universe, we could have consulted someone who could tell us uh, uh, whether it would be a disaster. And he completely disregards that. He has no, uh, won't even actually even listen to her. Um, when she's, I think, still grappling with their their shared role in, in the House of M. Yeah, I think the argument about uh, Wanda's instability can also be applied to Pietro in this situation, though. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like his mental instability in that moment of everything that he's gone up through to gone through up to this point. Um, yes, I understand what you're saying about him being, you know, the trickle down effect of his actions and and how the loaded gun analogy works, but also thinking about this in, if we're going to use it in terms of like a crime of passion or, um, you know, a mental illness, he is not making his choices from a sane and right mind place. So he's also making the choice because he's in a situation where at this point, all he has left is Wanda. So if you're talking about, you know, the fragile, mindset of both of them they're both in a fragile place and he's making a choice um rashly yes but not maliciously and so i think that's really where we have to kind of talk about what is the level that we're holding him responsible for and are we actually putting him on trial for the question of you know what he did to wanda or what wanda did after that right. um and that's kind of the question is like are we is what he's basically, you know, being, what is his sentence? What are we prosecuting him for? Are we, are we saying you shouldn't have manipulated your sister or are we saying no more mutants is your fault? And I think that's where the line kind of blurs and it comes into like his mental capacity to actually make a decision. And if we're holding him responsible for that decision or the aftermath of that decision. Yeah, you come at my so, kids and I'm gonna do what it takes to protect them. If I see a way out, I'm gonna do it. And I feel like he was pretty punished here too. He lost his powers as a result of all this in the middle of the devastation. Yeah, I mean, I think I, he's I think he's absolutely culpable, but I think that there's some culpability to go around. I think the mm -hmm. point that, uh, that the Avengers, you know, gaslighting Wanda for years and like not telling her the truth like that wasn't helpful and uh I think this is part of Pietro's good intentions like I know this is bad I know I shouldn't just rewrite reality and everybody's lives and whatever but I'm gonna give I'm gonna make sure everybody's happy it's not just for me you guys I'm gonna this is gonna work out for everybody just trust me like he's so selfish but he's also trying to mitigate that damage a little bit it's not it's not just you know ha 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 i rule the i rule earth it's like no let's make let's make a peaceful place that no more battles just you know oh yeah and we happen to be royalty no problem like i you know i respect it i i, I you know to an extent like it's it's not indefensible again it's kind of like the you know a kid who has good intentions but lies to your face this is this is the this is that part of pietro growing up a little bit right this is he's got good intentions but you know he's also a very selfish prick um yeah <laughs> you know yeah it and, is and, so him to do the nicest thing he's ever done for other people while like in the same action making himself a monarch of course 100 100 and again the subtext, the subtext of you know magneto and and him and you know the gay son you know, wasn't lost on me. 
despite Marvel's best intentions. <laughs> yes. So I would say my argument here is really for, you know, what it is that you're going to rate this situation, because I think there is obvious guilt, but it's more about the malicious intent of what happened and how, how evil was it? And would if you were in that situation, like put yourself in that situation, your sister, the person you love most in the world is, is what you think is going to happen is they're going to die. And there's no way around that. So you, you make a choice to change everything so that everyone's just happy. And that doesn't happen. What, what level does that now fall on your scale of one to five as a jury? That's what I'm pleading to your Mm -hmm. own humanity and your compassion for the situation. So let's vote. Regina. You know, Pietro does bear a lot of culpability here. Um, And this kind of goes back to what I was saying at the very beginning. You know, he's putting Wanda first. He's doing this for Wanda. He's doing it for himself and he's doing it for their father. He's finally going to get the acclaim that he's been desiring from Magneto for so long, right? But in the process he's essentially forcing a choice and there's a lot of different ways that he could have convinced Wanda to change reality that wouldn't be the house of M, but that would also save her and save them it wouldn't have been so disastrous and as we're going to see in the next section of our trial he changed things for a lot of people that when reality returned was so painful and so harmful even to people who were not mutants and I don't know how you can escape something like that. So I'm actually, I'm really on the fence. So I'm going to go ahead and kind of go in the middle of the road and give it a three, but this is, this is bad, Pietro. This is really bad. <laughs> Bradley. Uh, I find his mental state, um, I, 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 I'm sympathetic. Um, my, my issue is that I think Wanda learned from this and spent the rest of her publication time trying to atone uh, for her actions. And I really don't think he did. So I'm going to go with a three um, just because I, 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 I don't, I neither think it's unforgivable nor redeemable. Alicia. I am going to go with a two because though I am the defense, I agree with what you all are saying. And I do not believe that it was completely justifiable. It's definitely morally concerning, but I think it was a heat of the moment rush decision. And had he thought it through, maybe he would have made a different choice. Noel? This one's hard. I'm torn between a three and a four. My biggest problem is I feel like he manipulated Wanda, which is just sort of reliving a lot of things or repeating a lot of things that he himself has been through. Um, but I understand he was also trying to save her. So I'm going to go three. Arturo. I'm giving, this one's easy for me. I'm giving him a solid four, right? And I've got here in my notes, three is inappropriate. Four is outright criminal. Five is pure evil. So I think, you know, is the decimation his fault? No, not, not solely, not entirely, but partially right? Like he did have a hand on the wheel and not to like beat a dead horse with this analogy, but you know, your intentions are good, right? You, you go out and, and, um, and you drink with some friends and you're like, I'm good. I 
can get us home and you're driving home, guess what? If you get home and nothing happens, you're good. But when something does happen, that's when you're screwed. And that's when you're responsible for the bad consequences of your actions and your decisions. So like, you know, is it all on his hands? No, like, you know, but you, you, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to beat the dead horse. The, the pure evil would have been driving the car into people to like hurt them. This is criminal. This is, this is negligence and, you know, some accountability for sure. This is well past inappropriate. Justin. Yeah, I'm between three and four currently. I feel like if anyone knows Wanda's power and, and where it could go, it's Pietro. And yes, you might've had good intentions at the beginning trying to do something for yourself, for your family, but the chaos that is her magic is uncontrollable. So you, you unleashed the power and you didn't really, you didn't have any backup plan for it either. You didn't have an out. You didn't have any, you didn't cover your bases. I want to say three and a half, but I know I can't. Um, so I'm going to say four because you round up and uh, because I need to promote the fact that he's a criminal. He's a dirty criminal. Every I, what a forward. hypocrite you are. I am surprising <laughs> myself as I say this, but I'm going to vote one because Wanda was the only person in the world that mattered to him. She has literally gone crazy and they are literally coming to kill her. And he's seeking to save his sister. And I don't think he could predict anything that happened after that. So that gives us a total of 20 out of 35 in that section. Uh, and we now go into Son of M. I do need to point out in advance to this story, Pietro has lost everything. His sister is gone. His powers are gone. He's no longer a mutant. He doesn't fit anywhere. And people are blaming him for like the worst thing that ever happened on the planet. So he is not in a good place. And this series is only understandable based on those facts. So let me jump in. Feeling useless and without his powers and confronted by all the pain he'd caused others with the House of M, Pietro attempted suicide and was taken to Adelan by Crystal for healing, where he was reunited with his now six-year-old daughter, Luna. Pietro demanded the right to undergo teragenesis, but Black Bolt and Medusa abjectly refused. So he knocked out a guard, entered the sacred chamber of the Terrigen Mists, uh, and these gave him an altered version of his powers, which was the ability to vibrate quickly enough to travel into the near future briefly, but never into the past. Pietro started moving into the future regularly, meeting versions, versions of himself from the near future that would hit, give him intel on the present. After lying to Crystal about his actions, he grew possessive over her again and attacked a man, Jolen, who flirted with her. Within days, Pietro uh, killed a man, Goran Maledicta, one of the inhuman guards, in order to get more Terrigen. Then he manipulated his daughter into coming to Earth with him, effectively kidnapping her and then telling her not to tell anyone. When Pietro got Luna alone, he then forcibly exposed her to Terrigenesis, something her mother had forbidden and something that Luna didn't want, and resulted in giving her, in, in, giving her intense sensory powers that now required her to shield her eyes in a way removing her innocence. In Genosha, Pietro then gave the Terrigen to many mutants, giving them back a version of their powers that also would curse them, making their powers too intense or unsafe. As an example, Callista fell into a coma. And during this time, Pietro also beat up Magneto so badly in front of Luna, which caused her to beg him to stop. Circumstances then spiraled out of control Magneto stole the Terrigen from Pietro, which then ended up in the hands of the Office of National Emergency. 
which then resulted in a war with the Inhumans. And uh, it, it's the long story that resulted from there. With Luna in tears, Pietro forced Lockjaw to send her back home. We have Alicia for the prosecution, Regina for the defense. Uh, Alicia, please. Okay, so did I just defend Pietro in House of M? Yes, I did. Am I going to go against all of that right now? Yes, I am. What is the difference? The difference is the negative effects of Pietro's actions are clear here in his face multiple times and he keeps choosing to make more bad decisions so yes he has a rough start yeah okay he tries to kill himself and that doesn't go so well for him he is brought back he is saved he is healed he's given a second chance and with that second chance he commits crime after crime after crime breaking and entering robbery manipulation and kidnapping um, he's, he's forcing drugs on a child. He's seeing the bad effects of every time someone is huffing this, these crystals and watching them suffer and deciding it's still the right thing to do. It's still what he wants. All of his actions are motivated by what he wants. He's watching these mutants suffer and deciding, well, it's okay because I'm going to do the right thing. He wants to make a name for himself, and that's his only motivation right here and right now. He is taking something that he was warned about. They told him this was going to have negative effects because he was not inhuman, and it has an effect on him that's not what he expects, yet he still continues to pursue it. He knows that his actions are wrong because his future self is telling him how to avoid and, and work around the outcomes that are going to happen out of what he does. He's continuously making choices that he knows are the wrong choice. He knows what he's doing. He's not apologetic for it. And so in my mind, this is just a pure evil streak. There's no one manipulating him. There's no outside forces on him. Yes, he had a lot of trauma leading up to this point, but he also had a lot of red flags and a lot of people telling him, I'm here for you. Do you want to, something's wrong. And him saying, no, there's nothing wrong. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And I'm going to, you know, manipulate my six-year-old daughter into, um, you know, assisting me on my crimes and then I'm going to send her home. So I really can't find anything about this story that is redeemable. And um, I'm sorry for you, Regina. Good luck. <laughs> Regina, please. <laughs> well, you know, we talk about what happened previously and we talk about how he had hit basically rock bottom, but I would actually argue this is when he actually does hit rock bottom. He's tried to do something noble for his sister, which ultimately failed. It affected people on a wide scale that he can't take back and that he's really sorry for. He's lost his powers. He's an outcast among everyone. He is very lonely and he's desperate. So all these years, you know, he has been told constantly by Magneto, you know, we're better than humans. We're homo superior, you know, and now he is nothing. He is not an inhuman. He's basically a flat scan. Everything is hard. He's moving so slow. It's, you know, it's kind of like for him moving underwater. He's used to, he's used to being able to think about things very, very quickly. And now all of that is gone. He's like physically his body is changing. Like he's just dragging his feet. 
he's lost everyone. Everyone is pissed at him. He has no friends at all. Even though people are saying, yeah, I'll be there for you. It's kind of like, you know, when you lose your, your pet and people sympathize with you, but then they go about their day. Nobody's helping you more. You're just kind of an afterthought. He has been gifted. His child is being denied her birthright as an inhuman and as a mutant. Nobody's really talked about, well, how could we possibly make it safe for Luna to gain her powers? So he's looking at this whole situation like, okay, I'm gifted. Her mother is gifted. I've lost my gifts, but perhaps my child can have her gifts back. Now I've been able to regain my gifts in a different way. And now I've got this kind of shadow version of myself, which... This is an inference, but from the story, the future Pietro is like also a shadow of himself. He's kind of manipulating his present self from the future. Like, honestly, future Pietro is way more of a sociopath than our Pietro actually is. <laughs> and he is manipulating him and Pietro is surprised by some of the things that happened until he tries to figure out how he's actually going to use these powers. And then he's like, you know what? I've got these myths. I'm going to try to help my people. I'm going to try to help all of these people who are really suffering get some of, some semblance of their powers back. We know even now in the current Krakoan age with Callisto, it's been, for her, it's as if all of her senses have been cut off. That had to be just horrible for her. She does gain it back. It does not have the intentions that Pietro did have, but he was trying, which is more than 99% of everyone else was trying to do, except for perhaps Beast. <laughs> and we all know how that turned out. <laughs> but I think here he has hit rock bottom. He is completely alone. He is completely cut off from everyone and everything. People are being magnanimous towards him, but not actually trying to help him. And I think that there's a lot of sympathy to be found here. However, Regina, he tries to cover himself up and keep himself in hiding. One, he tells his daughter, <laughs> I'm taking you, but don't tell anybody what's about to happen. And then when they, okay, let's not even talk about just the regular crimes that he's doing here. He's going into the future to win money so they can keep going. So he's cheating the system multiple ways. And when she says, dad- when she says, hey, dad, why don't you just win the big bucks? He specifically says, because I do not want to draw attention to myself because I know I'm doing something wrong. So I'm trying to keep myself hidden. So while he may have started out with good intentions, he saw the effects and he just likes the power. I, mean, I, I, saw, one, I saw one theory online that Pietro during this era of his history has become addicted to the Terrigen. And that this is like a chemical releasing his impulses. And there could be some argument there. Because again, he... Mm, thought... that's, that's big Terrigen spreading <laughs> false information. That's bullshit. But that's he does, inhuman he does kill a man and force his daughter against her will to... to and those are the two rough ones for me. Like, Yeah, yeah I like, look, I got to look. For my little shelf of the day, I've got Pietro there with X Factor. I, I started off by saying like that was the the Pietro that um, that that made an impression on me that that I, I loved and you know would defend. And yeah, he's a dick, but you know, I I kind of understood where he was coming from. There, there's you know we talked about the good intentions with House of M and the unintended consequences of all that. 
I remember when when this when the son of Magnus, you know, when when this mini was coming out again, kind of like, all right, all right, we're we're down, you know, we we just went through the house of them, we're we're on the ropes, but let's go. And then it was just like within the first, you know, issue, and then it just got progressively worse. It's like, oh shit, okay, no, we're definitely going back to like villain Pietro because all of his actions are bad. And like you could make you can make an you can argue a case kind of like you know what Beast was doing and Mr. Sinister and High Evolutionary would be there throwing a tea party of like, we gotta experiment, you gotta break some eggs. We're trying to, you know, heal mutant kind. We got to throw whatever we can against the wall. Like, there's a level where you can be like, okay, that's bad. That's eugenics. That's that's evil. But in the name of science, right? But when we get down to the nitty gritty of him betraying his wife's confidence, of him asserting his own desires and 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 and, you know need for to see what happens with luna over her autonomy that's when we go into straight up like bad evil shit that's this is pietro giving into all his worst impulses his lying his swindling his selfishness all his bullshit is like at a 10 at this point do we have any points that need to be clarified for people to make their decision in this section or are we ready to vote like he's a he's a murderer right and then and then he also gave drugs to his child and and he stole these holy crystal right all right i just want to make sure just to just to clarify uh, he is giving luna her birthright that is her birthright and she was being denied it just half inhuman she didn't want it that's my problem if she wanted it if she wanted (laughs) she wanted it right and he was like, you know, she was in humans. I this is my daughter. That's her right. That's one thing. I agree. But the she fact that she's young. like, no, I'm good. Six. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, come on. I agree. She was Six too young, old. but this was her only chance she was ever gonna get. <laughs> Why? Because it was gonna be taken. The stolen crystals were gonna be taken back. You crazy man. You're a bad man, Pietro. <laughs> yes, he was a bad. I, uh, I I do think it's a really smart story and it's so uncomfortable to read. So well done, David Hyde. But let's go ahead and vote on uh, Son of M. Uh, Justin, you first. What are the, sorry. One, two, three, five. One through five. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know my You notes. only concern yourself with three, four, and five at this point. Yeah, it's really those are four in my mind, but I just want to know, is it five? But I think it's, I think it's a four. Just because you know, maybe there were some redeeming qualities about what he wanted to do, and 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 his birthright for Luna, and but it's just he fed into this is peak. It's doubling down on all those villainous activities that have been previously festering within him, and just just really going off with it. Four, Bradley. I realized I was muted. Um, I'm gonna make my own job in a few seconds really difficult by giving him a five. Alicia. A five. It's a five for me. Arturo. Good question. It's a five. I do want I'll give him half a point credit for um Layla Miller. Uh well, I guess that was that that's was coming next. That's coming next. Oh, yeah. that's coming next. Coming okay. It's all well, kind of and, you know, yeah, Layla I, Miller is uh, is a minor, and given his history, I do give him some credit for not punching her in the face. But no, it's a five for me. <laughs> Noel, 
Hard five. And Regina. Well, I know I was his defender, but once he once he crossed the line with Luna, I mean he had already murdered someone, like holy crap. He did just so many things that were just damaging. And I know that he had been suicidal. He was depressed. He was really going through some shit. He really did hit rock bottom. But at the end of the day, none of this is defensible. He's got a five. That, I was so entertained by your defense because I knew you didn't believe it. There's a score of 34 out of 35 there, uh, which is pretty fucking high. Uh, okay, let's go on to trial point five, which is the mutant messiah era of his history. And uh, this time we have uh, Justin on the prosecution, Bradley on the defense. Uh, Quicksilver began using the Terrigen crystals, which he forcibly embedded into his skin to give mutants versions of their powers back, seeing himself as a mutant messiah, which is the phrase he used to describe himself multiple times. Pietro set up a shop in Mutant Town, despite knowing that the X-Men, the Inhumans, and X-Factor investigations were all after him, and he continued to restore powers to some mutants while overloading the powers of others, like Strong Guy, in order to demonstrate his own influence. Though he knew he was putting everyone at risk, Pietro saw this as a necessary process, and then he bragged that he would let M-Day happen all over again. In order to intimidate the child, Layla Miller, Pietro bragged about harming Luna, bragged about harming Luna, and threatened to harm Layla as well. The Inhumans, led by Crystal and Luna, sought Pietro out in Mutant Town to demand their crystals back. Black Bolt beat up Pietro and wanted custody of Luna again, but Crystal informed Pietro that she had had their marriage annulled and that she'd be keeping Luna away from him permanently. The Inhumans left Pietro, promising to kill him if they ever crossed his path again. Recognizing that he was harming mutants, but still convincing himself that his work was necessary, Pietro began manipulating the powerless Richter into becoming the repository for the crystals so that he could channel the crystals through someone else. Pietro manipulated the group X-Cell into fighting X-Factor and indirectly hinted that Wolvesbane should be disposed of after he'd canceled her powers. Uh, after Richter took on the crystals, uh, Pietro manipulated him into spreading the powers to others. A big battle broke out in the streets. Uh, Layla Miller revealed that she had recorded Pietro ranting. and He attacked her trying to get the recording back. Uh, ultimately, Richter shook all of the Terrigen crystals away from Pietro, who lost his power again. But weeks later, Pietro found Layla Miller unconscious and nearly drowned after she'd been attacked by someone else. Pietro revived her, but then took her somewhere isolated where he had the intent to kill her, feeling it was his last chance to make things right with God. Layla evaded Quicksilver and escaped much to his frustration. Quicksilver was soon arrested, but he slowly went mad, seeing visions of his family members that he had hurt. With his super speed powers returning, he then escaped jail. All this comes from X-Factor Volume 4, numbers 8 through 11, 13, 18, and 21. Silent War number two through five, and X Factor The Quick and the Dead number one. Let's go to Justin for prosecution. We've talked a lot about superheroes and supervillains. Whether that's a mutant, an inhuman, or someone with genetic alteration, they all possess power beyond man, but none of them should be excused for playing God, preying on and manipulating the desperations of others. Now, the defense would have you believe that their client, the villain, 
the villain known as Quicksilver was only trying to do right for the mutant people, people who had been impacted by the results of his previous actions in the House of M. He was trying to atone, he was trying to do good. And yet it was his arrogance and self-righteousness that tortured these people he supposedly helped. He knowingly unleashed cruel twists on their former powers. And in the result of their injury or death, he excused it all as them being unfit for the gifts that he bestowed upon them. He saw himself as a Messiah, a God among men, their judge, jury, and executioner. When given the ability to see the future, it drove Quicksilver's ego to new heights. It essentially confirmed his godlike evolution, growth only made possible because of sacred artifacts that he stole from the Inhumans. It gave him the desire to manipulate further and spread his influence onto others, including those members of X-Factor. Running further with his divine intervention, as he would claim. Yes, yes. He later condemned this interpretation of himself as the word of God to be the greatest of all his sins. But in that same breath, he acknowledged that he had been gifted his speed powers back by God himself. He deems himself chosen, better than, and it makes him a danger. He must be stopped and he must be held accountable for the injuries and deaths he has caused by playing God on the mutant people and those who have lost their powers. Uh, and I can see your face dripping with excitement. Bradley. <laughs> yeah. So it looks bad. Um, <laughs> but so. Um, violence against children is never right, but the defense would like to submit Layla Miller's rancid fucking vibes. <laughs> and I mean, off the charts, awful child. <laughs> um, sustained, sustained, yes. Um, I, I will say for a lot of what transpired, he was literally like, she would tell the um, past him, go into the future and like listen in on what happens. Um, if you do this series of things that I'm telling you to do, um, Crystal will love you again and you can have your family back and stuff. And then deliberately manipulates things uh, with her sort of foreknowledge um, to, to go in a, in a very bad direction. Um, the, um, the, uh, villain in question <laughs> did a lot of bad things but he was also being manipulated for a fair amount of those um yeah it don't look good for you doll <laughs> does anyone need to clarify points on this before we vote anything you anything you need in order to help you to anything you need in order to help you make your decision here I, I had crossed wires a little bit. I got ahead of myself. I was just applauding Quicksilver for not punching Layla Miller. I'm glad we've gotten to that inevitability. <laughs> and I don't fault him for that. Um, it's the word of God for me where we kind of go into this other level of kind of like manipulative gaslighting. Like, again, this is his, this is his, his secondary mutation to be the biggest fucking liar getting to you know new heights 
And uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a no for me. Like he is, he's gone from like sympathetic to literally delusional snake oil salesman, just eugenicist, just, yeah, we're in his villain era. Like the brotherhood shit, him with the brotherhood of evil mutants, baby, that was, that was summer camp. That was fine. What he's doing now, honey, that's now we're getting into like super villain shit. I love the cape, frankly. I love that Peter David brought him back and wrote him as a villain after working so hard to write him as a hero previously. I think it's really smart. Uh, and it's it's good storytelling. But yeah, he makes me Quicksilver in this era makes my skin crawl, if I'm honest. Uh, okay, let's go ahead and and uh, and vote. Uh, let's go Noel first. Five. Arturo. Was that a five? Five. Clear five. Regina. You know, I've tried to be sympathetic, but it's got to be a five. <laughs> Justin? Um, a five. Uh, I'm going five this time, too. This is, it's, it's yeah. Oof. Uh, Bradley? Uh, four. It'd be five, but I also really hate Layla Miller. <laughs> <laughs> and Alicia? Oh, it's a five. Yeah. That's so this is another section where we've got 34 out of 35. Uh, I, I just want to compare this. from a perfect score. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to compare this. There are times when the trials really surprise me. The numbers are really low or really high, but these two sections, I'm not surprised at all. Son of Evan and this uh, Mutant Messiah era are rough. Uh, now, the most recent section of Quicksilver's history covering the last several years is his redemptive arc, where it's writers really trying hard to make him a hero again. Uh, while still making him morally complex and somewhat uh, owning his actions. But we're going to cover the stuff he did wrong. So section six, or trial point six, is just called Blaming the Scrolls. Uh, after being possessed by Chiton, Pietro in a new costume joined up with the Mighty Avengers team with a fierce determination to clear his name. He put out a public statement that all of his recent crimes had not been committed by him, but instead by a scroll. And the public believed him, accepting him as a hero again. Uh, the Mighty Avengers defeated the Unspoken, who is a massive inhuman who had stolen the Zero-Gen crystals from Adelan uh, during the chaos Pietro had caused when he'd stolen the Terrigen. Pietro returned the Zero-Gen crystals to the inhumans, told them about the scroll theory, and they forgave him. And Crystal suddenly allowed Luna to start seeing his dad again. But Luna, with her new powers, saw through his lies and told her father that she would keep his secret, but she will never respect him again. Pietro went on to become a teacher at Avengers Academy, where the student Finesse blackmailed him, threatening to reveal the truth about his lies unless he taught her to be a supervillain. In time, Magneto, of all people, exposed Pietro's lie, but he still claimed it was a scroll who'd committed his crimes. He really doubled down. After months of acting as a hero, he joined all new X-Factor, and at a public press conference, Fatal, who was a mutant who'd been hurt by him, confronted him, accusing him of his crimes and calling him out for blaming it on a scroll. And Pietro finally admitted his lies to the public. Once he'd done this, Luna showed up and told Pietro she forgave him. When the Inhumans attacked Pietro because they'd been lied to, uh, he also fessed up to them and kind of earned their forgiveness-ish. Uh, and this has brought him into all of his most recent appearances afterward where he's really trying hard to act as a hero again, and it seems he has been forgiven by most of the people he hurt. 
So this covers Mighty Avengers uh, Volume 2, number 21, and issues 31 and 32, Avengers Academy 2 and 22, and all new X-Factor uh, 11 and 12. We have Ar uh, Arturo for the prosecution and Noel for the defense. All right. Well, the good news is we are not in full-blown eugenics Pietro era right now. <laughs> the bad news is this is nothing more than a desperate PR attempt to clean up his disastrous reputation. And again, he doubles down. Like, what is his go-to to lie? And here's, here's the thing about scrolls. Okay, a couple of things. I love me some shapeshifters. I am a sucker for that mystique reveal, that surprise, bitch. You thought I was just a regular scientist? Bam, <laughs> kick to the throat. Live Yellow for that eyes. shit. Love it. So, you know, scroll invasion, when that was happening, I was I, that was the time where I was like actively reading. I was hook, line, and sinker, right? And the scrolls did plenty of bad things. But here's the other thing about that in invasion storyline it's impossible or or i think dishonest to to read it without having a layer of like it's commentary about xenophobia right it's about you know being replaced it's about they're among us it's about being infiltrated right so there's an element to the scrolls where it's not just i mean even in during the scroll invasion it's like yes they're the bad guys oh my god big reveal who are the heroes that are bad guys oh my god jarvis etc but even through that you start finding you know the the people behind the scrolls the people behind the little chins and they're just pawns you know being manipulated by power brokers or whatever right so in that void, in that space, with that context, here comes Pietro thinking, well, I've got a perfect scapegoat. This is a victimless crime. Blame it on the scroll. Enough bad scrolls did enough bad things. This is going to barely be a blip on the scroll radar, right? They've got enough of their own problems and culpability and PR disaster. So just blame it on them. That doesn't make it good. That doesn't make it you know, justifiable, right? And like any lie, it's fine while it's being believed. It's fine while you're able to pull it off. But once it, you know, unravels, you're revealed to be an asshole. And in that revelation, Pietro, again, goes to his instincts and doubles down and keeps lying. Giving him credit for coming clean to the Inhumans is a farce. That's hilarious. The Inhumans could have gotten the truth about Pietro's culpability on the internet at that point. So him coming out and telling them, oh, guys, you know, my bad, please. We're not, we're not giving credit to Pietro for that. Um, yeah. Noel? So it does take Pietro a while to finally come around and do the right thing. He definitely falls into old patterns with lots of lies and doubling down, um, even when his own daughter confronted him. But I think the important part is that press conference. He's confronted, not secretly, he's confronted out in the open where there's no way to go back on confessing. And he actually, I mean, I think for the first time in anything we've discussed today, um, takes full responsibility. 
it took being confronted out in the open, but he still had, could have fallen back on that lie. And so he, he did take an important step to open the door for his redemption. Um, it sucks that it had to be one of his uh, victims who had to, you know, be potentially threatened by everyone still willing to protect Pietro, but um, this was a big step for him and he, he did take responsibility finally. Um, okay, thoughts and clarifying points here. I like this last version of his history. I think we have some really powerful, strong writers who really love this character. Uh, you see the work with Christos Gage and, and uh, Peter David and others who really are trying to keep him complicated, but also redeem him. And I think the stories are really fun. I think forgiveness is too easily earned. They don't, I mean, they're holding him accountable for the Messiah stuff and the lies, but also he killed a man and no one has ever really put him on trial for that. There's, uh, there's eras where he becomes a little unredeemable, but I love that they keep trying. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I, I want to just say this. I mean, and I, I, I'll grant that this is speculative on my part, but as a prosecution, I do want to just say, you know, if, you're, if you have any inclination to give him some credit because he was teaching at the Avengers Academy, that is a flimsy ploy where he saw the wonders it did to North Star's PR to go and teach at the Xavier Academy. And he said, well, hell, people love teachers. I'll go teach the Avengers. Like complete ploy to win your, 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 your affection. So well, don't the fall premise for it. And the premise of, of Avengers Academy is here's a bunch of kids who are likely to become supervillains. So let's try to make them not be supervillains. Uh, and, and Pietro is one of their choices for teacher. <laughs> right. The moral That's fiber. Questionable. Of the because he was a supervillain. Because he was. Yeah, I think in this instance, I want to bring up what I had been bringing up when we were talking about House of M is like, what exactly is, is the point on trial here? Is it that he was just trying to kind of like get away from being blamed for all these things and he just like made up a lie that it was the scrawls even just to like get in everyone's good graces again that doesn't seem as terrible as the actual things that he did um before that point but still why why are you why aren't you just owning up to what you did and you know going to where you were at the end of this where you say like okay it was me i did it <laughs> Did you just put a scroll head on that Quicksilver? <laughs> um, you know, I think it would have been better for him to just have come clean and, and just said, I want to make amends for what it is I've done. And he did get there eventually, which is, you know, that is a point in his tally, but it's an unnecessary lie. But in the end, it really is just a lie. Like it's, it wasn't an actual crime. It was just a lie, but it was unnecessary. Yeah, he starts out taking the easy way out. But I do think he eventually yeah. comes clean with most of it after he's kind of forced, but still is very quick to like, now you just have to forgive me. I told the truth. Let's go. As, as far as um, redemption is concerned, what I will say is taking into account that these are fictional characters who are going to stay in circulation because of that's what comic book characters are. I think they are doing a very good job of, of reconciling his past 
with making him a character that people want to see in a book currently. Um, the same as what writers have to do for uh, Hank Pym or any of the other, or Beast or any of the other characters that have done reprehensible shit. Yeah, but you have to still keep them, <laughs> I don't know, defensible in comic books. Yeah, yeah. Any clarifying really, for me? Both? I, I, I just want to say, I really would love to see Quicksilver end up on Krakoa. I think with Juggernaut heading that way soon, uh, you know, the, the, the doors are going to open a little bit. Even if we don't have Quicksilver the mutant, it'd be cool to see him kind of in that environment. Um, if for nothing else, I want to see Mabrox and Guido give him shit for being like, oh, is it you or are you a scroll? Because I feel like they would like, because <laughs> that is the funniest shit. Like, if I was in the Marvel Universe, honey, I would blame all my bad activity for the last three years on a scroll, period. Like, and you call me out on it, and I'll be like, no, yeah, that was definitely a scroll. Yeah. So, you know, I give him props for for the the, the sheer chutzpah of, of the lie, but... I picture this era of Quicksilver's history, like, uh, picture a man who's in, like, public office doing lots of really shitty things, and he gets exposed and kicked out of office. And then there's that period of his life where he's trying to, like, build some power and influence like it wasn't me guys like me again <laughs> he's, like, he's really trying hard to get his recognition back i don't know there's something about this that's just I, I, these last few years for him have been really fun reads uh let's vote on this section the blaming the scroll section of his history um, let's start with noel i'm gonna go with one he did the right thing in the end alicia i go back and forth I think I'm going to go three because I don't think the lie is justifiable. The lie is morally concerning, but it's not worse than that because it's just a low lie. So three for me. It's also a three for me. Justin. I think it's a three for me as well. Regina. You know, my whole thing is that first of all, the lie was really not necessary. And second, he doesn't, ever really take accountability and i think that's really where i have to go with the three uh and then bradley um given his other history of so he did own up to it in the end he has a real history of not taking um non-human life forms as uh and their problems seriously i'm gonna give him it was between three or four i'm leaning four uh, and then Arturo. I'm giving him a four as well. Um, you know, we, we are not in pure evil territory, but I, I think his motivations are, are, are criminal. I think he, he's blatantly lying and manipulating people. Um, and I think, again, it's his selfishness that's driving it all. So I give him a four. Uh, Regina, did you vote three or four? My apologies. Three. Okay, so I will add up the scores and give our final total. Uh, as we are wrapping up this trial, let me just hear one thought from each of you, if you have one. What's something you learned about Quicksilver today? Do you like this character? Did this change your opinion on him? I think he's kind of fucking great, <laughs> but I hate him at the same time. Uh, so as I'm doing my final math, let me just hear your final thoughts as we've summed up this character. Uh, well, I, I mean, I oh, oh keep going. Oh, I think as ever, he is someone that I really, really wouldn't want to know, but he's a lot of fun in a comic book. Like, yeah. I'm glad to see him on the page because he's a good, like, 
he will start arguments. <laughs> like, uh, there's, he's a good thing to keep a plot moving. He can do things that wouldn't otherwise be um, morally uh, excusable. Uh, and you can kind of write it off as like, oh yeah, all right, that makes sense. Um, he's he's an interesting character to put on your superhero team because he's not purely bad, but he's not exactly good. So final score, uh, we have a total of 141 points out of 210 possible, which gives him a 67% asshole rating, which is right up there with Professor X. <laughs> Who has legit. the highest out of curiosity? Uh, I'd have to go back specifically. Beast. I think Beast, I think Beast ran a little higher, and Juggernauts was shockingly low when we got all done. Juggernaut <laughs> was is like, innocent. Juggernaut is innocent. Let the record show. <laughs> uh, it was the Juggernaut is baby parade. <laughs> now, if any of you, if any of you have some final thoughts you'd like to share as we do our closeouts, please do so. But what an absolute delight to sit with uh, six people that I respect and adore. Thank you all for sharing your Sunday afternoon with me. Uh, I love these trials. It changes my mind and teaches me about a character that uh, it's in a way that I will forever uh, have an altered view of that character and a different understanding. So uh, this was an absolute blast. Uh, as we're doing closeouts, let me announce uh, our next episode of, of Grand Malkin Lane is going to feature an interview with the writer uh, Jed Mackey. Uh, and then we have Robert Quinn coming on right after that, uh, who I'm so, so excited to get to know as well. Our next trial will be uh, a month from now. Uh, we've already got everything assembled and put together and we're going to be putting Magneto on trial and it is maybe the episode I am most excited about since I've started the podcast. We have a format that is very unique and very special uh, and I'm, I'm really excited for what we have coming up uh, with that. There's still some prep to be done but I'm really excited. Uh, you can find me on uh, Gray Malkin Lane on Twitter and Instagram. I am easy to chat with and happy to do so. So thank you all for your support with this podcast. As we're doing closeouts, let us know where people can find you if you guys have any final thoughts and what we can look forward to on your podcasts uh, coming up uh, or in your professional work. Let's begin with Bradley and then Arturo. Okay. Um, yeah, my name is Bradley and uh, you can find me at Knife System K N. I-F-E-S-Y-S-T-E-M on Twitter. Um, buy my book that just uh, got announced. It's an anthology called Young Men in Love that I'm in. It should be coming out in June, if I'm correct. Um, uh, you can get, I have a tarot deck that's out uh, that I believe you can still, uh, you can still pre-order. Um, and uh, just follow me online, listen to me um, babble and post art. Really, really good art. Um, I'm Arturo, and you guys can find me over on X's for Podcasts, talking about comics, mutants, Marvel, and magic all the time with a whole bunch of friends. Um, and it's a good time. So check us out over there. Iatusabe, you can find me at Mr. Toybox on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram, which sometimes I post photos of uh, action figures, but I've been kind of neglecting it, but go check it out. And then Noelle and then Regina, please. Yeah, I'm Noelle. I am on Instagram at X-Men Unraveled. Podcast is in most places where it's available. And then I am on Twitter at L Unraveled, E-L-L-E Unraveled. And I'm currently going through the original recruits, the X-Men team on the podcast. 
And I'm Regina um, over on House of X Podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at House of X Podcast. Just do a search. Um, you can also find me at the Red Queen of X on um, Instagram and Twitter. Um, sometimes I post just the most random shit. So if you want to see random shit, that's where you'd find me. <laughs> um, we actually have some upcoming interviews with um, Desiree Proctor and Erica Harrell, who wrote The Risk story in the Comunidades book by Marvel and also the um, interview or not the interview but the review that we did for that book with Arturo actually he was on there with us it was a great time and it it was such a long recording we I think we're gonna have to split it up so we're still editing that <laughs> but it should be released shortly so it was a great time so. truly a blast <laughs> truly such a great conversation I can't wait to hear it but you got to check that out we had a phenomenal conversation it was amazing <laughs> and then uh finally justin and alicia all right you can find me and justin at the ex-wife podcast that's t-h-e-w-i-f-e -E. no i did it again i just don't want to put the x in there just the wife i just want to be the wife podcast okay yeah. <laughs> just kidding you can find us at the ex-wife podcast which is t-h-e-x-w-i-f-e -E, as in x-men not former wife um, and you can also find me at Wilder Moves if you're interested in my cosplay and dance side of my life. Uh, Justin, what do we got coming up on the podcast? Pietro is a villain, except for the <laughs> beginning when he was misunderstood and manipulated by Maximus. That's not the answer to my question. <laughs> That's the answer to Chad's question. He wanted closing thoughts, and I tell you, you were all wrong. Okay, but I do want to say in closing, um, as a person who's come to comics, you know, in the last couple of years, I was... Uh, severely misled by films about who Pietro is. I came to this thinking like, okay, cool. Like everybody's really amped up about the trial of Quicksilver. What's it going to be like? And then I read the comics and I was like, this man is awful. He is not the sweet, quirky <laughs> guy that he is portrayed to be in movies. The, the Avenger, um, the guy that saves people in slow motion. Like the guy who runs in front of a bunch of bullets to save Hawkeye. Okay, no, that's not real life. So um, I definitely <laughs> learned a lot and I always feel grateful to be um, included in this group and to be a part of these conversations. So thanks again, Chad, for hosting and for all of you for such a wonderful time. I love debating and getting sassy with you all. It's really great. Uh, Justin, anything coming up on the XY podcast we should be looking forward to? Yeah, we talk about comics. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yeah. We have interviews coming up, but we'll, they're, they're a surprise. So follow us and then you'll find them out. Uh, what a lovely, lovely afternoon. Uh, thank you all for spending your time with me. We will see you guys back here next time on Today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.